Hello and welcome to the WCW vs. NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and tongue and death grips one of the most important areas of professional wrestling. I am your host Dave, and today we're going to be looking at Road Wild 1998. There's nothing mad or ad lib about what I'm going to say. Usually I introduce my co hosts in a kind of weird way, but today I am just so thankful that I haven't had to go over any of the weekly shows. And I'm going to introduce them normally. First, Fergus Looney, how are you doing? Hopefully you can hear this. Oh, we're back, baby. <laughs> yes, we are back. I am so glad to be through these. <laughs> I might have to join you, actually. Yeah. Uh, I'm having pink paper stew from Scabroon. Well, well earned. Thanks to Fergus. Uh, I don't have to do any of the watching of the weekly shows. They have decided to take that on their shoulders and write me some very nice notes so I can dissect them a bit better. But of course, Connor O'Donnell helps out with that uh, as well. Connor, how are you doing? Doing good. I mean, you, we have, there's a little cause for celebration here. This is the last Road Wild we have to cover. So come on, guys. It's, <laughs> it's not all bad from, from here on out. Oh, the, yeah. The, they, they mentioned it a lot in the show, the third consecutive time they're in Sturgis. And the third time we've had to watch them. And the third times I've had to buy eye bleach. Where do, where do you get eye bleach, by the way? It's just normal bleach that I write. Oh, okay, on. right, right, okay. <laughs> But speaking of that, because we'll get into it a little bit, but why don't you tell the fans why I avoided a bullet by not getting to watch any of the Thunders and Nitros this time around? Well, WCW, as far as I can tell, because I'm just from watching the shows, I think seems to be a bit obsessed with being on top these days. They seem to be making a lot of decisions that impact that. So as I'm sure everybody who's listened to our previous podcast, because why wouldn't you listen to this? If you're listening to this for the first time, that's a very strange decision, but you're here. <laughs> Open it up. Road Wild 98. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. get it. This is the one I've wanted. <laughs> Their pay-per-view was like the biggest pay-per-view they'd ever done up until that point. And it was because of some celebrities. So they figured, why not do it again? Uh, except they didn't plan this one nearly as well. And it wasn't already a, an, a feud that existed. So they had to create it themselves which led to me having to watch Eric Bischoff do comedy four times in a month for 15 minutes minimum. And, and it was does, painful. Does, does the hype live up to the, the myth of, because I've heard these segments are like legendarily bad. Oh, it's painful. Okay, like, so what, what makes it so painful? Is it I was just because Eric is terrible? Or so like what? I'll, I'll give you the scene. They've recreated the Tonight Show set right. as close to as they can. They have a band. They have like seats and everything. And he comes out to some generic jazz. It's probably a rip of The Tonight Show. And this is all in the ring, right? No, no. It's off to the side of the ramp. It's got okay. its own area. Okay. Uh, he comes out with Miss Elizabeth every single time. That was my he other is, question with, with, he, with this night. What is Elizabeth doing? <laughs> he essentially pervs on Elizabeth always. Of course. Uh, that's really all she does. She never says a word. She seems to be laughing. I can't tell if it's real or not. I kind of feel for her in this bot, but then he proceeds to do the cold open like Leno does. So that's what five minutes or whatever of topical stuff. There are so many Monica Lewinsky jokes and (sighs) Bill Clinton jokes. Of course, it's it's ridiculous. There's a there's a lot of hard on jokes about dick pills and stuff. Uh, I think at least one of the weeks he actively just takes Leno's jokes. So they're slightly better, but he can't deliver them at all. And then he sits down and then he does more of Leno's patter where he does the, you know, where they get the newspaper headlines or whatever. Yeah, he does that as well. So that's a full 10 minutes of literally nothing to do with anything to do with WCW for four weeks in a row. 
And then he'll usually bring out Hogan. And then Hogan does his spiel to build up the feud as best he can. And Eric does his jokes with Leno. How many, how many over under, how many chin jokes were there? Oh, it's over three. Easy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, on top of that, they have a really, really bad laugh track for his jokes. So to make it sound like people are laughing at him, but it's kind of off. Like it's not, it's not a proper laugh. It's this kind of weird, creepy laugh almost. They usually try and show a clip of whatever Leno has done on the Tonight Show in response. And then they give out about that and that's the end of the segment. And then the very last week, DDP interrupts him. And it's the most satisfying thing in the world as he ripped apart the, the stage and beat up Eric. <laughs> maybe it's worth it. Maybe maybe they they got under your skin, right? They, they made you hate it so no, much that DDP's a hero. <laughs> like, if I wasn't watching this for the podcast, I would have watched something else. Yeah, that's fair. It didn't actively get me into the show. Go, go away, Heat. Maybe. Yeah, it was just like, this is terrible. I want to do something else now. And it, it was just how long it, it just ran for so long every time. It was always at least 10 minutes. Right. It was just painful. When you put yourself in 1998, why, why would you sit down and actively have this on your TV? I'd not actively change? be watching Raw like right. in, in instead. Like, obviously, if I had the channel and whatever. But All right. You convinced me. Yeah. Like, there we go. That... <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting that you bring this up, and I, I read the passage from you know one of the Nitro books about you know the Monica Lewinsky jokes and dick jokes that I think around this time there was this is the famous standard and practices like meeting that Eric has with one of the suits. I don't know if these uh. segments are a direct correlation with it, but Eric kind of uses it as a crutch that WWF is beating WCW because they're more raunchy and because they're you know, swearing and things like that. I, I'm sure it helps because letting Austin do those things is great. Yeah. But I, it's not the sole reason. No, it, it certainly adds to kind of this mo- motif of like, I, I always bring it up, but ECW has it as well. But when they, when they go too far, it's still cringy. When WWE go too far, it's still cringy and immature. Like, I don't like a lot of the X's stuff from this era, to be honest. I know it's looked on with this really good light now, especially because a lot of them still work for the company. But I think some of the X's stuff, honestly was a bit like childish in, in its like it absolutely vulgar- vulgarity. And it's the same with this, like all these dick jokes and Monica Lewinsky jokes. They're so low brow where I think what actually brought huge audiences to this part of wrestling was people grew up with wrestling when it was cartoonish. And then they became, you know, between the age of 20 and 30 and they went back to something they loved and they wanted to see it like redone for them. We actually see revamps <laughs> of like show that this is like a weird comparison but shows like sabrina the teenage witch got a new life on on netflix when they aged it up so people who watched it when they were 14 now get like a gritty version of it when they're 30 and that's what it kind of feels like in wrestling so when they go way too low brow it feels really immature and i think it loses a bunch of the the audience they had at the time i think it's just more they don't have the plot behind it (laughs) no no that's exactly what it is because eric will he says we can no longer be successful because we can't rely on the formula that we established that raw copied or whatever. Mm. I just don't really agree with that as, as we've done this podcast, because as we've seen, the reason why it was so hot in the beginning, it was because the, they had that storyline to fall back on. I mean, 97, there wasn't really like shocking things that WCW really did. It was just a cool angle with sting. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I would not associate, uh, 
any of the successful or things we've been really high on on this podcast with that kind of uh, attitude air of vulgarity. And it seems like he wants it, not others. So anytime there's a hot woman on stage, he's there. You know, like he's <laughs> or me, making or comments. Or Mean Gene. Mean Gene's on there. Or Mean Gene's well. <laughs> there. It seems like the people who work for the company want to be near hot women. Not the fan. Not the fan. Like, there's none of these big storylines that are centered around stuff like that. Or there's no, there's no really equivalent of the X. Like the Wolfpack now is trying to be kind of like that. Mm, not even, but yeah, yeah. Like that's <laughs> the closest comparison I can make. But there isn't any like, you I'll, know, basically just grown up teenagers running around causing a muck. I'll you give get- you, I'll give you a perfect example of their attempt to be more adult and like hard hitting. Like two weeks before the pay per view, the Nitro Girls are out, but they're in the ring, and then. Eric and Hogan and Disciple come out. They shoo everybody away except for one woman. Uh, and I'm sure you can guess where this is going. Mm-hmm. It's Kimberly. And they basically skis on her <laughs> in the corner and they creep her out and they do whatever. And DDP is rightfully angry and rightfully mental. And he rails down to the ring to try and save her, but can't because it's literally one guy against six. So they hold him down and they do whatever they want. And Hogan keeps talking to her about how he's a real man and all this kind of bullshit. And that's their one attempt to do any sort of plot for the pay-per-view. They hadn't even signed the tag match two weeks before the before the pay-per-view at this point. All we've seen is just Eric take pot shots at a celebrity because he feels like it. And everyone's just kind of expected to just go along with it and hope that something happens. Kind of reminds me of like when Eric is kind of calling out Vince McMahon as well. Yes. Yes. I I think you've hit the nail on the head with it as well at the start when you said, you know, they're kind of running it back. They got such a good pay-per-view response. And it's baffling that they can't see the difference between like two of the biggest athletes in the sport and Jay Leno and what attention that will bring. (laughs) But even like from a real wrestling standpoint, like we'll get really into it when we get to the match. But the difference between putting a man that looks less athletic than me, and I'm not a very athletic-looking fucking man, I'm putting two giants that look from a different sport in the ring are completely... To be fair, I don't have a personal... I don't have a a lot of knowledge on this, but Jay Leno was very, very popular. Oh, huge. You have have to have this context of... Because we live in a completely different world now. This is when, you know, late-night TV hosts were still a huge thing. Now it's like... the. Who would ever want to watch these well, he's, shows? He's popular enough that I I watched I've seen him in he, his he's heyday. He's definitely like, a part of he, pop culture lexicon for sure. He but he used to be in Europe. Like Europeans would watch that show. That would oh be, really? Okay, that was oh, gonna yeah, be my yeah, next yeah. question. Okay, it would be on and it would be on like an awkward channel or whatever. But I have seen lots of episodes of that show when he was on. I got a lot of That's memories fine. of like opening monologues. Yeah, people knowing mm-hmm. what happened in like opening monologues, but not the rest of the show was more like, more him like, than Letterman. To be honest, which I'm yeah. kind of surprised. Same. At. The the longer I go on and I hear more about them, like it's mostly Conan and Leno. I, yeah, for I, sure. I completely agree with the popularity thing. I th- like I think he's a, a giant celebrity to have on. Maybe on, like of the equivalent of the other two, or even more. More people might know Leno. But how that translates into actually putting the man into a wrestling ring and, and having interest. I, I gotta gotta give them props for like uh nailing his target audience for the live crowd too. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. bizarre, isn't no, it? It makes sense. <laughs> I, I mean, we can shit on this all we want. 
This show had a larger buy rate than Havoc 98, which I that shocked me. It's still a huge drop off from Bash, but obviously because that show did a huge number. Huge number, yeah. Mm. The, the rest of the cards have been surprising there. I know I know main events drive buy rates hugely, but the cards a bit medium in general, especially. I mean, it's because they didn't know what they were doing, Dave. I mean, yeah, it, it feels like a holdover card, or it feels like a card they're giving to bikers that don't watch the show that often. They chose to show the main event of Bash of the Beach on Nitro two weeks after it was on. Which is a moment that I didn't know that happened until I reread, yeah. you know, recaps for, for this episode, which is crazy because you always hear about Havoc being replayed, but this whole match, full match, full 20 minute segment wow. devoted to something that people had paid a lot of money to watch. It was just yeah. given away on free TV. It, it shows how insanely knee jerk they were about popping ratings, right? How important it was to have high pops opposed to consistent consistency over time or or looking into the future i think i'm also surprised people kept paying for pay-per-views if this is what they're going to do yeah if i was a kid i'd just be like well i'll hear about all the stuff and then i'll just watch the main event in two weeks on nitro i mean not only that it's like they're giving away matches that could legitimately be pay-per-view main events so they gave away ddp and hogan for free on a nitro no build-up uh, just just did it on on the night. Now there wasn't a good finish because there's never a good there's figures, never a yeah. clean finish. Yep, yep. Um but still everybody got to see them wrestle by themselves for the first time and it like the magic is gone whatsoever. The opening vignette of the show shows what's important to the company at the moment and it's Leno versus Hogan. Forget your red hot baby face champion that's not in the main event. We get a lot <laughs> of shots of Leno. And oh, it's man. not exactly and it's hilarious like, too because it's like Hogan, Bischoff, Paige, <laughs> Leno. Like, no. oh, okay. <laughs> Paige seems to get the shortest amount of attention of Vignette as well. It's also like he's supposed to be getting over in these matches. One quirk of watching on the network, uh, none of those clips from Leno's show are on Nitros. You don't get to see them, even though they were in the original broadcast. So, like, when I watched that promo, I was like, oh, that's what they were talking about the like small Hogan that he was making fun of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that's so weird. I I do love from a from a point of view that stuff like that when uh when Leno gets that small Hogan on, he's like, "You're not so tough." I'm like, Leno, you don't look in much better shape than the man you're making fun of. That's it's weird, <laughs> weird to me. But yeah, it is uh that no sign of Goldberg or mentioning many other matches in this opening. Tony introduces the show, uh, tells us, like I said before, it's the third consecutive year WCW have been at the Sturgis Bike Rally, giving away the show for free. Uh, and Tony hypes up Road Wild while we get overhead shots from the helicopter again. Big, big crowd this time. I, I think I remember the last one not feeling as packed as this. And of course, they show you the kind of whole festival, which is really busy every year. One one big difference, because I actually I checked back the previous year because this looks like a, a bigger deal. I think part of it is the stage is a lot nicer. There's like a nice ramp and yeah, not just the, mud. You're right. Yeah, it's yeah, not on yeah, dirt. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the background like area. They're in, yeah, they're area. in a different spot because before it was like the background was just like mountains and like this. The background is just like a sea of people and you can see kind of cars going by too. So it felt like more yeah. an event instead of like they're just like off to the side somewhere. So a I thought the presentation was like, you, yeah. yeah, the pre- presentation was way better this year. So I'll give them credit with that. Yeah, I'm surprised it took them three years. I guess the first one we saw was very much a trying this out Eric's love project kind of thing. 
and they must think it's successful to some degree, or the the boys enjoy being there because they it has leveled up every year. I guess they're they're getting so much money thrown at them at the stage as well. Why wouldn't you just? Yeah, I mean, companies like doing pretty well, like financial wise, at this point. this point. I mean, they're yeah. they're still like making money on shows and stuff like that, and merch merch you actually see wrestling fans at this show i mean they're yeah, yeah. sprinkled in there but compared to like the last yeah. two years you can see some fans there's nwo shirts there's some kids in there like there, there's actual fans yeah and, it's not just random bikers right i i will say for other road wild uh, for other road wild and uh the hog wild we made comments that um maybe the sound of the crowd was dispersing because it was outside but while the crowd is still a problem because obviously some of them just aren't fans in in the show you do for big pops. You hear it way more, I think, in the show. I don't know if that's more people there. I don't know if that's better sound production, but it does show that maybe the other shows were just completely dead to work in front of. You know, I'll also uh, give props to Tanay braving the Canadian tuxedo uh, for for the show. Yeah, Tanay looks great. Heenan looks very casual, just jeans and t-shirt. Shivani went completely for it with his shades and his biker jacket. And I bet he's wearing leather slacks as well, you know? No tattoo this time, though. Yeah. No tattoo this time. <laughs> so they, they went all for it. I love it. you got to lean into it. If this is the pay-per-view, for better or worse, I think you got to lean into the motif. So after the, the commentators run down the show, mostly the main event and the NWO Invitational uh, Battle Royale, Mean Gene is on the ramp and he's sitting on a bike and he's talking about the show's sponsor, Iron Horse, a brand of bike I've never heard of and I couldn't find much details of online. <laughs> it was the first time I'd heard of it. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you wasted time doing that. Every week on Nitro. <laughs> maybe, oh, really? maybe someone can correct us there in the, uh, uh, in the oh, listeners. Gene. But all I found was like individual stores in America opposed to it being a brand so i don't think it survived but maybe i'm wrong maybe I'm gene wrong. was was on that bike every single week in the run up to nitro pimping it hard he looks so comfortable he looks so happy with himself better than the hotline maybe mm-hmm. well if the company doesn't exist anymore i'm unsure but it's close it's close match number one of the night we get a new feud to talk about or new ish it's meng versus barbarian Meng has uh, come back. He's returned from a hiatus, and uh, they've like returned to this feud with Jimmy Hart being on Barbarian's side. In the Nitros and Thunders, there's been a weird kind of three-way feud with Duggan getting involved and as well, and first Meng not liking that and locking on uh, Tongan Death Grip at one point to Duggan, but begrudgingly becoming kind of buddies? Uh, not, 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 not until buddies. tonight. I thought there was yeah. one right before the paper. No, he 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 tongue and death gripped him that night. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, that night. Another death grip, okay. All Meng uh, does is he runs out to the ring, interferes in whatever Barbarian's doing, beats up people, then he gets double teamed, then he no-sells and beats up somebody and that's and then chases them to the back. Like he never nobody ever gets one over on Meng. It's great. <laughs> well that's kind of this entire match, if you, <laughs> as well, because I, I don't think there's a big difference between this this match. Uh, I will note: uh, is this the first time we've heard Meng's new music? That's what yes. I have in my notes because it kicks ass. It, it, it's yeah. on a Nitro, maybe beforehand, but yeah, mm. it it suits him it's way awesome. better. I kind of hate that he still has this Tongan team to him, very like Wild Samoans team to him. Just let him be the absolute mental person he is in real life. All the stories in wrestling are about how he is the scariest human to ever exist. I heard a story last week, and obviously it must be fake. It can't be. 
But <laughs> police attacked him in a bar because he was in a bar brawl. He wouldn't comply, so they pepper sprayed him. So he closed his eyes and, and sucked up the pepper spray. <laughs> and just spit it back out. That's insane. If it, if it's even a little true, true. I even, hope it's true. Even if it's like he just attempted that and it didn't work, that's absolute insanity. There's like Man, lots of stories. Some sort of demigod roaming the earth, that, like <laughs> loads of stories of him breaking out of cuffs, like him getting cuffed after bar brawls, and he just breaks out and runs away. Like wrestling, well, believe that. Yeah. <laughs> even if a, a fifth of the stories you hear about him are correct, there he's terrifying. But this match is mostly no frills, brawl, really no selling, like Gus had to say. Lots of and grunting. Oh, boy. <laughs> lots of <Yeah>. grunting. I'm not sure which uh, which man's supposed to be the toughest. The match is a little unstructured, but too huge. Clearly, it's the guy who, who headbutts the other one and doesn't take any pain from it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have more of the Samoan uh, gimmick. No, I do. <laughs> yeah. Barbarian does a huge belly-to-belly, overhead-belly-to-belly, Kurt Angle-style twice. Once from the top rope to no crowd reaction for the best spot of the night, in my opinion. (laughs) Just huge. These two absolute giants and they're doing a belly-belly off the top of a rope. It was just insane. Uh, Buzzsaw power slam by Meng for a two-count. Barbarian has control and is calling for the finish, but Meng just no-sells everything that's happened before, pops up and locks on the tongue and deck grip which is the most over finish, I think, on the card. The crowd were silent the entire match of these two big brutes battering each other. And all of a sudden, the Tongan deck grip is on uh, and the crowd erupt to a noise I, I didn't know they could make. This gets, again, confuses me, a pin instead of a tap out. And we got <laughs> a, a very clean win here for the returning men. Short and to the point, lots of power moves and no selling. Love it. I actually yeah. thought this went really long. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> that's how it felt anyway. But uh, there's something to do with the weather. I'm going to point it out now. I think it's really hot there. Mm. Definitely at the start of the show because they looked even slower than they normally did and they were taking their time doing everything. It's a bit more noticeable with some other people who you would think would be quicker yes, later This on. match was five minutes. <laughs> it was too long for you. There's also the segment afterwards. Just another that's true. Two, three minutes on top. Yeah, yeah I'm crammed it all in and then the really bizarre thing they tried to do on the apron i don't know yeah. what he was trying to what barbarian was trying to do and had this brief moment of like shattering kayfabe where he turned to jimmy and went jimmy and i went i've never heard him speak before <laughs> this is really weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I th- yeah i think they must have miscommunicated something because he's trying to like pull meng out of the ring yeah. and meng's just not moving <laughs> like his feet are just below the bottom rope and Barbarian's pulling on him. And Meng's a big dude, so if he doesn't want to move, he's not going to move. Barbarian's just looking at him like, what are we doing here? <laughs> and event- eventually he just rolls out of the ring of his own accord. I'm like, does, does he think it, it looks just weak? Weird. Does yeah, he think it, it looks just, weak to get pulled? strange. And then the other great one was when Mean Gene was on the bike at the start of the show, he was like, oh, there's over 200,000 people here in the area. And within five minutes, Mike Tanay has already t- said there's over 360,000 people now. And I was like, did it mean ah, in the state? WCW. <laughs> <laughs> after, the, after the match, uh, Jimmy Hart, of course, jumps Meng. Meng does not care. But Jimmy gets you, Morris, out, which we needed, obviously. Meng takes a splash from Jimmy Hart, which was the worst thing I've ever seen, but maybe not the worst thing on this card. And a moonsault from you, Morris. A couple no seconds later. No laughing matter. Yeah. No laughing matter from you, Mars. 
Uh, and then Jim Duggan runs to the ring with the two by four for the save. Barbarian barely sells getting hit and kind of just leaves the ring. And no tongue and deck grip this time for Jim. Begrudging kind of little stare. And then all the men just get out of there. I, I love at the end of the match, Jimmy is kind of selling that they're getting chased by men to you, Morris and Barbarian. So he's like, come on, guys, let's go, let's go. He's there, kind of pointing at him. But Meng is, like, not walking fast at all. He's, like, <laughs> strolling. <laughs> and both Barbarian and you, Morris, look back, and I think Gus is right. It must have been really warm out there, and they're kind of like, eh, and, like, move a little faster <laughs> to maintain kayfabe. While Jim is in the ring and he's uh, warming up the crowd, give, giving him the whole, the, the weirdest gimmick of all time. Con- Connor. Uh, Connor, what did you think of the match? I enjoyed it. It felt like, you know, your typical like 80s wrestling match. And I don't care about any of these guys, but it, it was a nice opener to warm up the crowd. I mean, look, WCW has to know they, they know what they expect at these shows. We don't need the 20 minute, 30 minute time limit cruiser rate brawl here. Just get two big dudes beating up each other. Five minutes. Get in, get out. Mm-hmm. The crowd seemed to enjoy it, so I, th- I think this is a, a decent way to open your show. Yeah, I, I thought it was fine. I, I, I obviously like Meng a lot, so would like if they did a little more. Right, with and honestly, I forgot all these guys were still employed, but whatever, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I would like if they did more than the monster Tongan gimmick with him, but that's what that's what we're gonna uh, get with him. To be fair, he's only just come back, so yeah. They they wanted to pick up where they left off. At least he had new music, and he wasn't still t- rocking the dungeon music. Yeah. So that, there's a step in the right direction for Meng. I don't know how m- more, how much more we're going to see him on the podcast, but uh, rumors are that he doesn't do like a pay-per-view for like a year, I want to say. And Eric yeah. was too scared of him to fire him. We do see Meng, I, I believe. I have it in my notes. I know for sure, Barbarian, this is the last time we will be covering him. Oh, that's a shame. Barbarian, like not excellent, but pretty stupidly athletic for a big guy of the time. That belly to belly he was, was definitely the lesser of the two. Meng is obviously way yeah. better. Yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, I never really liked Man, or never really liked Barbarian. This is the problem when you, sometimes when you split up tag teams, you know, sometimes the the parts are. What am I looking for? <laughs> Listen, the, sometimes the you're the Scott great. Steiner, yeah. and sometimes you're the Rick Steiner. <laughs> yeah, sometimes right. the parts aren't uh, greater than the sum. There you go. Thank you, thank you, Dave. The the beer is kicking in, so <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get the analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm being a bit harsh on it. it. Like, it's it's definitely not as bad as some of the other stuff on the show. Oh, by this show standards, it's a five yeah. star match. <laughs> yeah, it, it's but uh, that's not saying much. I, I'm 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 bringing anger over from Nitro, so. That's not where I'm at. <laughs> Second match of the night, another, you know, barn burner, really putting their best foot forward. Dancing Fools versus Public Enemy. You know this match is important because they don't get entrances. They're just in the ring. Um, <laughs> I was wondering they, if they got cut out of the, the network. They have to stick to a time limit. Yeah. Because they have the show afterwards that they have to stick to. Oh, yeah. That's... So what have Public Enemy and Dancing Fools been doing? We're seeing way too much Dancing Fools and pay-per-views for my liking. But they're with Tokyo, Tokyo Magnum again, a podcast Fuck favorite. Fuck yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Makes it all a lot better. The beginning of the month, they had a match which ended with uh, Grunge getting injured, thanks to Magnum uh, saving Alex Wright from the table <laughs> spot, I think. or this Really awkward table spot where like Alex Wright is on the table and Magnum pulls him away and pulls the table. So Grunge is meant to land on the side of the table. Uh, like to do his ribs. That. 
but they did it really badly. So it, it was really obvious he didn't hit the table. You would think these ECW guys would be like yeah, you think solid with their now. table spots, but it seems like every time. I think they've been wrestling on Saturday night a little bit. So there's like not no story, but I didn't watch any of them. So <laughs> can we instead talk about what Disco says before the match? Showers in Sturgis? Ridiculous. I don't own a bike and I don't want one. I remember the dirty bit. I have the dirty bit written. <laughs> I assume I assume Alex Wright is uh, was like in Japan or something like that because he takes Tokyo as his partner for a couple of matches. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But he yeah. comes out to Alex Wright's music. He doesn't get his own music. <laughs> and he just does all Alex to stick. So he does the dancing and everything. Fantastic. <laughs> I, I noticed he, he'll do the Alex Wright dance too when Alex does when it. When he does it. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. <laughs> I, I would I would much prefer if Disco was just a manager and these two wrestled way more. I'm, I'm not like Disco doesn't add really anything to these matches. He's confident on the mic, so I, I don't mind him being their mouthpiece, but him being the actual wrestler is depressing. I'm also assuming that a young Chris Pontius is realizing his dream and <laughs> perfect idea when he's watching Tokyo Magnum yeah. somewhere. <laughs> Weird, weird, very weird feel to this match because, like, as much as I don't like them, the dancing fools work because they get such a strong crowd reaction on uh, on pay per views, and I assume on nitros as well. They do, yes, <laughs> uh, but they don't get any boos here. So Alex keeps doing his dancing in the middle of the match, and there's no reaction from the crowd. We get loud disco sucks chance though. Yeah, we get yeah. disco is the heat magnet. Like, yeah, <laughs> Alex just gets nothing with his dance. Which is criminal. His dance is awesome. excellent. Yeah, <laughs> they love the public enemy, though. They love. <laughs> I fucking hate them so much. Jesus Christ, they're so <laughs> bad here as well. <laughs> yeah, they're so botchy here. They're not executing like basic wrestling moves. This isn't criticism of them being like bigger guys, not being as athletic. Like they're doing wrist locks wrong. You know, it's bad. They've gotten worse. It turns hardcore real fast for no reason with the ref not getting involved. <laughs> I love that they brought an actual bin out full of garbage. Yeah. So lovely amount of garbage in the ring that everyone else has to wrestle on. Thanks, guys. And it's just really awkward. Alex is just lamping people with the, the bin. Like, he doesn't know what to do. So he just hit grunge like eight times until the bin was flat. <laughs> like okay yeah and then because they can't keep stuff under the ring because it's on a platform they must have had to set up they have to keep running to the back and you've chosen the least fit tag team in your division <laughs> to run back and forth and get stuff they're out of breath it took them so long to get the ladder also it's a long ramp <laughs> it's yeah like it's not <laughs> it's, it's not short <laughs> and then halfway through the match when uh, it looks like the dancing fools are going to leave and Magnum's not very happy about this. They come back out with tables and they announce that they're willing to fight a hardcore match. And I'm not sure why the match hasn't stopped. It's so long. I'm going to check the time on it because it felt like I was watching it for a 15 decade. minutes. Yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah. Yep. That just this whole metal part <laughs> was complete waste of time. Cause even the Absolutely commentators are, it. is this a 
no DQ match? Like, yeah, just have... cut this crap out. Just say no DQ match at the beginning. We're fine. Get this. I have over. a feeling the Mang match went short for some reason, and they were just like, <laughs> milk it, milk it, milk it, milk so it. So they cut their entrances? That actually <laughs> makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I don't get it. Like, other matches, like, get. This is longer. We have a Rey Mysterio psychosis match on this. And it gets less time than Public Enemy versus the Dancing Fools. This match just descends into absolute nonsense. Like, the the most used wrestling move is the, the fucking cookie sheet that doesn't look like hey, it there's hurts. A mailbox. There's a mailbox. There's a, yeah, mailbox, a mailbox. looks like it actually hurts. It made a thunk <laughs> kind of noise when it hit he, he literally That's because he hits him with his fist to, to not mm-hmm. actually hurt him. Oh, does he? Yeah, fair, yeah. Fair. He, it's quite clear he doesn't hit him with it because that looks like it would legitimately kill somebody. As soon as I saw the mailbox, I, I immediately thought, we need Dusty for this. And that reminds <laughs> oh, me, is, is Dusty even alive anymore? It, He's been he... on the last couple of nitros. <laughs> there's there's a great few brewing there, that's for sure. Oh, don't it's even him. tell me. <laughs> Man, it's it's another non-wrestling guy at the moment. Oh, what? God. Two retired wrestlers. What 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 more could you ask for? Uh, all, all five men in this match obviously have lost track of their cues. Or, as I said, maybe the match was told to go long because they've cut something or something went short. Uh, eventually, after just hitting each other for a solid seven minutes with the objects they brought in, Tokyo Magnum gets involved and accidentally hits right. <laughs> this makes right just drop off, just leave the match. Like, not get mad, not hit Tokyo Magnum. He's just like, I've had enough of this. And Alex, I don't blame you. You're better than this shit. And he just walks away. <laughs> uh, Magnum also doesn't like that Alex has walked away, so also walks away. And Inferno <laughs> is just left uh, to get put through tables. And now the public enemy, who are in no rush at all, set up three tables. I think this takes a solid three minutes of time. They use a ladder to set up three tables, awkwardly put Disco on it, and I think it's Grunge. No, Rocco climbs Rocco, the scaffolding yeah. Yeah, and does the bump through it. They could have just put him through the normal table, or they were brawling on the outside for like 10 minutes. They could have set this up piece by piece over the match. But they set up all at once and are not in a hurry at fucking all. It was needlessly dangerous, like for, yeah, for that point so, of the show. It's so dangerous for nothing. And to be to be fair to them, this actually they pulled this one off. I, I mentioned yes. how how much they botched like all their spots previously, and this one actually goes pretty well. I, I was gonna say it does look cool in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't see the point of it. Uh, for, there's no point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, an example of someone that uses this stuff in the modern world is uh, someone like Kevin Steen or Kevin yeah, Owens. Sorry. Perfect example. Yeah. But when he does it, what he'll do is at the start of the match, he'll put them one table. Then 10 minutes through it, he'll put some chairs on it. Then they, you know, they do some more bumps and then he'll put another table on it. So by the time he uses his doom day device, it's been set up through the match. You haven't had to watch him just set up random tables. Also, you know, he has a bit of fucking pep in his step. You know, you know, it's just yeah. a time to me. Public enemy are just sweating buckets and like, oh, yeah, give me the other table. <laughs> you want to tease the crowd with it as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- yeah. this crowd is they're chaining for tables. So, the, we- yeah, yeah. You want to you want to do some tease spots about it. And they just don't. They're just like, give, get Inferno on top of there. Jump on. Them. <laughs> it's it's just weirdly paced for a match that's that long. And they had so much time to set up. Like, I don't mind the whole match revolving around Inferno getting his comeuppance with this big, hardcore spot. But why Why did it take so long at the end of the match? Also, not technically the end of the match. 
They have to roll them back in the ring because apparently <laughs> yeah. you, can't, you can't pin them on the outside. Magnum has come out of nowhere again. Try This is hilarious. Tries to splash to uh, break up the pin. Hits Inferno, gets dispatched on, and then they pin him. There's more after the table spot for the absolute ridiculous. That was funny. That did pop me a little bit, I will say. Yeah, everything Magnum was involved with, 10 on 10. Anything else says... <laughs> yeah, Magnum has ridiculously good comic timing. It's it's pretty weird. For someone I didn't hear of really before this podcast. All four of them are former champions, <laughs> which is the mental oh. thing. <laughs> like you're like, you're trusted. These guys were trusted with belts at one point or another. What what's going on? How is I don't understand why this is on the show at all. They had other stuff they could have run with, I think. There's plenty of other <laughs> wrestlers that would have heart. <laughs> Who? God I've, I've, <laughs> My God, I don't understand what to do with Brett. We'll get to Brett in the we'll get to Brett at the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I think that what's more baffling too is this wasn't. It's it's not a good pairing because you have no. your hardcore tag team, and but Disco and Wright they can actually they can wrestle. They're a joke tag team, but they can. This is not putting them in a position of strength. Especially Wright, like you can have Inferno take all these like bumps and come up and stuff, but Wright can carry a match. Like you could have you could have right do most of wrestling and then have Inferno get like beat up at the end and people would love it. His strength is not trash can shots. They were <laughs> woeful. <laughs> this was Lance Storm levels of just like hardcore shots. It yeah. was I will never understand. I think I said this when we started filming the podcast at first, and I still don't understand that. I get that they're over. But you look at ECW, this thing that's producing or like picking really good indie wrestlers at the time. And they're all getting cherry-picked by the bigger companies, right? Like, you're talking, like, people saw Guerrero. Austin did his little stint there and stuff like that. Mankind did his stint there. And they're just cherry-picking the best from that company. And they went, we'll take Public Enemy. That's the one we'll take. That's the over-athletic tag team of the future. <laughs> they Public were, Enemy is who we want on our roster. They were super over, though, Dave. I know, I don't so get it. So <laughs> over. I don't, like, because Heyman used them in a very specific way, and... They're yeah. not allowed to do that in WCW. So yeah, I guess they just came out, put some people through tables, and left, and did like their yeah. their song. Well, they also got it. to be more rated or like that's and true. They're, they're definitely not doing that here. So yeah, they they, they yeah they come well, across way too. All, all plaudits to them. They got paid probably way more than they were getting in ECW. So yeah, they also yeah. get paid a lot. They in, they uh, came out on top. <laughs> I think they get paid a lot in WWE before the acolytes decide to end their career. Well, well. Actually, it's funny you bring that up. That happens. This is the timeline where it exactly happens. This is the last time we'll see Public Enemy. They oh, wow. go to the WWF in a couple <laughs> months, and they get booted really quick, obviously, and then they actually go back to WCW for some reason. That's the atrocity out of this. <sighs> why did they pick them up? Why, why would you say, like, this is what you saw, and, like, let's get these guys back? Also, WWE destroyed them. Like, that Bradshaw and Varouk thing is an abomination like uh, you could uh, like you could go over it and not only is hurting other human beings and Bradshaw takes a lot of liberties like Veruca is rough but Bradshaw takes a lot of liberties with them but it destroys them as performers they didn't get one offensive move in they just got their jaws broken by the APA it's just I mean, so weird I guess you can argue there's no tag teams in WCW well, that's why they got rid of him. They're like, we have a tag team here? No, get him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know we saw you on the roster. Get the fuck. I haven't said that. There were two tag title defenses this month. Ooh. Oh, fantastic. Hey, we can't talk oh. about that. That doesn't happen on pay-per-view. <laughs> oh, one of our favorite segments every time. Malenko's in the internet corner with Lee Marshall. 
Uh, he is in a ref shirt because he is going to be a ref in the, the Jericho match tonight. He says this evening that he will call the match exactly like Jericho would call one of his matches, which is a great line. Yes, yeah, chaos. Yeah. Absolute chaos then. <laughs> Lee Marshall, it's such a nice and subtle line for a face to say. And then Lee Marshall's like, well, I don't think he'd call your match fair at all. <laughs> like, that's the point, Lee, that's the, mm, yeah, thanks. I love how you can only talk like Lee Marshall if, so long as you're Tony the Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but like, you added the lilt, like, you added the yeah, like, yeah. oh, oh, oh. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that's how he, like, talks, talks to everyone. His wife and kids took him in. He says that lilt for everything he says. <laughs> <laughs> after this onto a slightly more serious match but another hardcore match so a bit of a weird placement on the card match number three is raven versus saturn versus canyon uh this is another raven's rules match of course because raven is in it this is a continuation from previous months this uh, has been going on for a while this has a bit of a <laughs> continuation new continuation kind of... is the understatement <laughs> yeah geez it's been going on a long time now the ever the ever involving mid card of the flock, the you know just everyone in the mid card involved. Yeah, hey, we flock. get a triple threat this time though. So yeah, yeah uh, this has a bit more of a and they they do it a lot in the psychology early in the match. This has a bit of a change on it where Raven has somehow convinced Saturn that Canyon is actually considering joining the flock again. That Canyon might be on Raven's <sighs> side and that it isn't a three way match. Maybe not the best storyline of all time, but it oh does make God, for an bad. it makes <laughs> for an interesting opening to the match. I think. There's actually a nice dynamic in the match, I think. When we say uh, Raven convinced him, what that really means is he said it once on Nitro. And they were like, oh, Canyon's not here. Whose side is he on, essentially? Continuity. <laughs> all, all, it, all it has proven to me is that Canyon and Saturn are two of the dumbest people in the, in the company at the moment. Because mm. all that happens over the month is somebody has a match, the other guy jumps the other one, they fight each other. Raven comes out. DDT's one of them. Looks cool. Leaves. And you're like, guys, he's the dickhead. What yeah. are you doing? <laughs> and it keeps going question. on and on and on and on. And what's worse is the announcers pointed out. And they do it in the match as well. They're like, yeah, we've been trying to tell them. It's really obvious that Raven is the one. And you're like, guys, you're just burying your two guys, the two yeah. other guys. Uh, I'm so starting to remember bad. why I did not like WCW commentary. That's true. Yeah, they buried him a lot to start this match as well. Uh, Lodi buries the fucking crowd. The 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 signs he's holding up about <laughs> the women in the crowd is are fucking horrible. <laughs> uh, I guess Saturn's the face in this match as well because he has a biker vest on and a banana. So uh, he, he's been wearing that anyway. So gear number two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's been wearing that gear. Uh, oh, okay, it, it's okay. not it's not pay per view themed. He he just wears do rags on and off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so no one's the face again a canyon kind of is i think i think he's meant to be start of the match and raven is actually i actually really like how the storyline doesn't sound good but he's tricking saturn into thinking that canyon is in cahoots with him so he just picks his spot and lets both of them fight at the start of the match on the mic he just says canyon get him and canyon's like what the fuck and saturn just nails him <laughs> yeah I, I thought it was great and he's just sitting in the corner and every time saturn's knocked down He'll attack Canyon and then like put a chair in Canyon's hand so it looks like he's trying to hit Saturn and stuff like that. And I thought it made for actually good psychology because one of my big gripes about this feud, I like all three men involved, has been the matches have been just spots, have been a bit like chaotic and not making much structural sense or having any kind of psychology. 
at least the first half of this match is them just him just making them pick on each other. And then he finally gets his comeuppance. He's sitting in the corner. Both men are going at it. And they slowly turn to Raven. And Raven has that look in his face like, oh, fuck. And just gets drop kicked straight in the nards. So an actual pattern to this. Then, men, the, then Saturn and Canyon take turns doing some big spots. Some uh, A cool looking triple Russian leg sweep from Canyon I thought was pretty nice. And they try pin attempts on Raven. But eventually the match falls back into a three-way match. Because each one of them want to beat Raven, want to be the person that beats him. And again, all makes sense, all has a structure. We get what's a bit of a comedy spot, I thought, in the ring for what's supposed to be a serious feud. The double sleeper hold into the double jawbreaker. If you yeah, we, we, we mentioned that in the, in the previous uh, triple threat match. It's, yeah. it's an, very much an ECW, or spot. at least that, that, that's what I, I, th- I think of. I think of, I think of ECW, so. That's, that's a, yeah, and, that's a good I, well, the reason The other reason I think about it, too, is because you didn't point it out, but there was a particular tag team move that Saturn and Canyon pulled out. Did you, did. did you miss it? I, I, I saw it. I don't have it noted, though, the t- uh, total elimination. Well, you have to say it like Joey Styles. <laughs> <laughs> total elimination. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can say it. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I, they do have a little like look at each other before they do it as well, and Saturn's like, no, 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 I want to do this move. Completely wasted spot. Nobody's going to understand that. Yeah. yeah, especially the show they chose to do it at. Yeah, but even in, like even in like a smart crowd, it, it's not going to get a huge pop either way. So no, no, only like, hardcore wrestling fans with the network at in hand is going to get that. Maybe like if they were in Philadelphia or something, maybe yeah, they they'd get a pop. But yeah, weird show to choose to do it at. They do uh, brawl up the ramp as well. Some nice spots there. I think this is probably the smoothest all three men have wrestled together, and there's no big botches or weird spots really. I hated this part though. On the ramp. Yeah. <laughs> it felt time wasty, right? Not just that. Like, less than 10% of the crowd know what's going on. And I know there is a, a screen somewhere, but most no, of the no crowd one's can't, looking at the screen. Can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. Because the screen's like behind them. So they have to turn around away from the action to see it. Yeah. So, and then they, like, they're all sitting on their bikes, not on chairs. So it's kind of hard to, like, maneuver around your bike. A lot of them are just stationary in one spot. But yeah, agreed. That's probably not the best decision. I didn't really think of that. Back in the ring, they do a Tower of Doom. Is that what you guys... I always call the Tower of Doom. The, like, super, uh, superplex into, like, uh, electric chair drop kind of positioning. Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I never know what to call it, so... I yeah, think it's, it might be called that when it's, like, five of them. You know, two of them are also doing a power bomb or whatever. But we'll call it the Tower of Doom spot. Almost gets a triple ten count, but Raven gets up. Lodi saves Raven from a splash off the scaffolding by Canyon then breaks up a pin after a DVD from Saturn. Uh, Saturn nails Lodi with a belly-to-belly, but Horace is out to try and hit Saturn with the stop sign. But Saturn moves, and Lodi hits Horace with pocket sand. (laughs) (laughs) Which is on the ring ring for the rest of the the show. Yeah, yeah. They can't get rid of it. I think they use actual chalk, like weightlifting chalk, is what it looked like, and that stains, like that, that stays there. You have to watch it off. Horace then hits Lodi with the stop sign because he's blind before getting dispatched by a German suplex. Another DVD to Raven and Saturn picks up the clean win finally over the former his former cult leader. I really hope that's the end of the feud. One more guys. Match. What did you What did you think of this match? I can't keep track of which matches which at this point. Get it, get yeah. this feud over with, please. Yeah, I, I I can't enjoy them. 
anymore. Like I was already at a low point to start with. So it's just, there's li- there's literally no creativity going on in terms of a feud. Raven doesn't do a different promo anymore. He doesn't try to pro- progress anything. It's just the same drivel week after week and the same thing happens and I just don't care. That's fair. I, I, I think they've probably dragged it too long. I actually enjoyed it's the match. Long, like two months ago. <laughs> Fine. I think Raven is actually holding both Saturn and Canyon back, who are doing some really interesting spots in an era where, you know, Agreed. there isn't a huge amount of interesting spots sometimes outside, you know, the stalwarts like Ray and Eddie. So I'd love to see Canyon and Saturn be involved in that, like, mid card full of extremely talented people. And this Raven rules stuff, like, I was enjoying this match. As I said, I like the psychology to start, but then brawling up the ramp, using weapons, the flock being involved. It's that the ECW light stuff is really starting to annoy me. And I know it happens in uh, WWE, uh, WWF at this time as well. Like the hardcore titles, like uh, still a couple of years away, I think. No, a couple months, months away. It's months. months. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, there's a there's a WCW one to come, and I don't know if we'll get to it. We by won't the time get to we it, finish, yeah. but, it, but it's clo- it's not far after that. I'm not asking for broken glass and this like huge extreme death match stuff. I'm just saying. If you want to be ECW, be ECW. Don't be halfway. I'm like maybe it's the two matches in a row, but I don't need to see stop signs anymore. I don't need to see most of a normal match and then some chair shots at the end. You know, it's just it's starting to annoy me. Yeah, and th- and that's funny when I bring up the the standard and practices meeting as well. It's like, well, why are you bothering doing this stuff, man? It's not doing anything for anybody, really. It's I, I think, they hired them all to do it. Yeah. Like Raven can't do stuff without that. I don't think. I see. I think it can. That that that's the weird thing. It feel, it felt like he's been pinched and hold for most of his career. I I feel like he can have a decent match. I mean, we've seen it with you know with the Goldberg match. It wasn't really like a brawly type match. It was just a mm. straight up wrestling match. Yeah, I think he has some decent psychology in his matches. I think he's like a fine wrestler, probably worse than the other two in, in this match, and has some nice psychology to his matches, which the other two maybe don't. So they have something he's missing. But his whole career is this stuff. And it, he thrived in ECW with it because then he could weave that into his stories. But then the hardcore title stuff, this stuff, the pub, like this is basically the public enemy match with some better wrestling in it. Oh, and, yeah. Big time. And it's 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 annoying. The, the end of the match kind of ruins it for me, but I think this is probably their best outing. They were a bit more structured at the start of their match, like I've harped on about, which is what these guys really need. And now they need to be done with this so Canyon and Saturn can do different things. I don't I don't really mind what Raven does after this. He has his built-in storyline with his flock. But yeah, I'm really interested to see if, what they do with uh, Saturn and Canyon after this feud. Well, Connor is hinting at it. I don't think they go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, Raven has a storyline, but man, it's it's interesting. We can we can we can talk about it. Uh, I know I know Saturn gets mixed up in that whole that he has um I think it's beyond our timeline. He gets put into a couple stables with the rest of the radicals and Shane Douglas. And then before there's some funny gets... stuff in between there. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, he loses the match to Jericho where he has to wear a dress, but yeah, you know, there's that whole angle. <laughs> Saturn was, was hard done by, I think anyway, uh, he's, we'll, he's we'll... a unique individual. I think. <laughs> yeah. Is. No, th- yeah. that was his choice. Uh, yeah. th- it was meant to be for Jericho, but Saturn's like, ah, I'll just do it. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. To yeah, the well, next please, match. please. Yeah. <laughs> match number four of the uh, night. We have returning Rey Mysterio, who we saw in the last pay per view, versus Psychosis. This is for a 
number one contendership for the Cruiserweight title. We've seen these guys fight a, is this the third meeting, I think? Maybe even the fourth meeting on a pay-per-view? Either way, it's the first match of the on the podcast that we did. Is it? Yeah. 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 Bash of the Beach. Oh, I don't have hugely extensive notes of this match. Uh, Ray looked really good and informed. A lot of crisp, high-flying stuff from him. A lot of moves, a lot of luchador moves that are hard for me to describe. And maybe that's why I don't have the most notes on them. Uh, and Psychosis playing his role really well. Methodical, slow, being like really heelish, jawing to the ref, jawing to the crowd. Like really got the crowd into it. And I don't think the crowd really knew who he was before the match. But the match is pretty straightforward. Ray looks great. He does a senton off Brett's rope to the outside and is pretty perfect. And until the finish, which is Hurricane Rana with a roll-up like Ray does a lot of the time, where he spikes Psychosis straight on the crown of his head. Not great. Not great. Everything else was so good, like just such a solid match until he almost murdered Psychosis. But pretty enjoyable match, just not much to write home about. What did you guys think of the match? I thought it was okay. Uh, Again, I'll bring up the heat because I noticed it with these guys. They, They seem slower. But it wasn't to the detriment of the match. But it's nothing to write home about for me. I never really expected Psychosis to win, considering how much they like Bray. So. How about you, Connor? What did you think of the match? A uh, good match. Nowhere near their Bash at the Beach match. But considering like what we saw from Ray last month, uh, this is a drastic improvement. Mm. Mm-hmm. So if if anything, I think Psychosis is a little rusty because he's not he hasn't really been in the spotlight lately. I think this is actually the last match that we cover from from him. A note on him overall, just, I, I've been have not been impressed by his work at all. It's still acceptable, but I, I was still a little let down. But I, I will be honest, I'm not going to be too bummed that we don't cover any more Psychosis matches. I'm, I'm a Psychosis fan. I think his performance here is really good in really subtle ways. I think this is what Ray needed to get back into the swing of things. Obviously, yeah, he's got, the, the right guy to like pair him up with because these guys have obviously good chemistry. A lot of good chemistry. I think it would be easy to put them in there with like a high flyer and they just go hell for leather. But that's not what's needed at this point in the card. That's not what need what is needed for Ray's knees at the moment. Yeah. And uh, Psychosis, I think, makes Ray look great. He really grounds himself and doesn't do that much high-flying stuff because he knows he can throw around Ray and Ray is supposed to look great. He's not. So I think the match isn't like amazing. I think you're probably right. The Bash at the Beach one is more exciting. But this one, I think, is really important to get like the actual star back in place. I think Psychosis kind of knows that. Though, apparently, he can be a bit of a dick backstage. So maybe he doesn't know that. So, I, yeah, no, nothing wrong with the match. But certainly nothing we're going to like remember for the rest of our lives either, you know? No. They've definitely pared back the amount of Mexican wrestlers they've been using. It's really just Ray, Psychosis, Hoovy. Fits and starts with other people very rarely. El Dandy? Uh, he's on it like once. And it's for an angle type thing. Same with Lismark. <laughs> yeah. And then the king of, of all Mexicans, of course, is flying high. He's he's our every single week. Nice, nice. Yeah, these two have kind of, uh, from what well, the breakdown you gave us, because they've kind of just been in and around the uh, title pitcher. And this is just to warm one of them up to give a new challenge for a... Uh... Yeah, again, they, they had a, a number one title match on a Saturday night. And that Hoovy won because of... Chris's interference. Uh, that's the only that's the only cruiserweight. Like there's very little cruiserweight uh matches on the shows now. Onto our other mid card title match number five is Chavo versus Stevie Ray for the TV title. 
This one's a bit more convoluted, but I am enjoying <laughs> Chavo stuff. So last time we saw Booker with the title, Stevie Ray, since Booker has got injured at the last at the last pay per view, has insisted that Booker is letting him defend the title against select opponents that P- Booker has selected. I am not sure why Booker would have that power, but no one else can strangely <laughs> reach Booker. No, <laughs> no one's questioning if Booker's dead. You um, <laughs> <laughs> gone. I tried calling him, but he's yeah, not answering. <laughs> the, the commentary make a very funny comment about it, where Tanae is like, "I've tried to call him, he's not answering," and, and Brian just goes, "Yeah," and everyone answers when Mike Tanae calls. <laughs> 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 just absolutely tires to poor Tanae. So this is very sketchy. But who's going to question a man as big as Stevie Ray? Meanwhile, Chavo has uh, kind of been just around and being psycho and sticking his nose in Stevie's business. And he comes out with like a notary stamp because Stevie had it notarized that he could defend the title for Booker. So he insinuated that Stevie made it himself. And if he made it himself, Chavo could make himself champion and makes himself champion <laughs> and accuses Stevie <laughs> of carrying his but first, title around. But first he realizes, oh man, I can make myself my own driver's license. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a uh, this has been great to be honest. Everything Chavo has touched has kind of been gold. This sounds very funny. I might even go watch some of the clips of it, but it was also very funny on the pay per view. Chavo comes out with his uh, his toy horse Pepe. What? It's a horse, not a toy horse. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> He's just talking to her constantly. He even offers the cameraman to... It's amazing. Pet. Like, it, like, say, yeah. The cameraman puts his hand in the... Fr- <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that. No. I thought that was great. Yeah, that, that was, was really well That was very funny. Does, does this gimmick work for you guys? Because I don't know. It doesn't. It's not quite the same appeal as like L Snow talking to Head, really. When I remember the Pepe gimmick, it was just kind of like, ah, fun thing. I'll bring the toy horse. But like that talking to him, him being psycho, like it doesn't... It, to me, I don't buy it from Chavo. I, I get it from El Snow. He looks insane. But Chavo, it doesn't really connect with me. What I've seen on the pay-per-views, because is going to know a bit more of his weekly stuff, I like that I don't know whether he is insane or he's like, you know, insane like a fox. When he starts doing stuff in the ring, he uses this insanity because people are like, what an idiot. And then he starts like getting one-upping people in matches like he did to Eddie. So I like that contrast. And he seems to, like, right when I get annoyed at the gimmick, he does something incredibly funny. And it brings me back. Uh, so it's, like, way more comical than Al. Uh, on, on a note, I actually got quite annoyed by Al Snow in WWE, even though I like Al Snow a lot. That's fair. So I, th- I think I will get annoyed with this if they don't go another direction with it. Yeah, I think, I think Dave is on the right track in that. Chavo tries to play it more as, I'm actually doing this as an act to kind of get away with stuff. Because like he'll talk about like he's like, oh, I just went into your bag, Stevie. And I just what did I find? I found a stamp. And he's like, oh, isn't that kind of weird? And you're like, well, nobody would just do that out by mistake or whatever. So, yeah, there's lots of little bits of comedy. Like He comes out as the Lone Ranger multiple times. He tries to he's like, how do you guys know who I am? (laughs) (laughs) Stuff like that. So it it is funny, but I do hope that they are going somewhere with it. Like, I I don't think I could do it for much longer. Like if this ran another month, I'd be like, okay, it's, it's a bit long now and you need somewhere. I think insane person gimmicks in general run their course pretty fast. The problem with them is they're hard to play as serious ever. So Chavos was played as serious for a while and I think it worked fine, but Al Snow's a really good comparison. 
Yeah, the, like the head and shoulders thing is just it cringes me right into my like right out of wrestling. You know what I mean? Like that was like that's bad. I, I kind of like this ECW stuff where he was just kind of like an underdog. Like people didn't take him. It's actually really similar to the Chavo. Maybe Ch- this is where Chavo got it. Like when Al was just an underdog that was really over with the crowd. And he was like a little quirky and thought like you didn't quite know if he was playing it up or not. And then they just like WWE have no subtlety at all in them. So you have to make sure you know he's crazy and he's talking to the head. Chavo does, does teeter that way sometimes. And that's when I start to get annoyed and not like it. But then he brings me back with the actual wrestling. So where Al just talks to the head in the ring and it gets pinned as his, as his partner. Chavo's using that he's crazy to like escape from stuff or like that when he bites Eddie and Betty, Eddie doesn't know what to do about it. I think that's like really funny. Or oh yeah. And it's really in this clever. match. Yeah. Trying to, yeah. he offers to shake, shake hands with Stevie Ray. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And yeah. he's pretending he doesn't have control over his hand and you don't know if like he is pretending he's like really smart or, and that's funny and that's good. <laughs> we'll, but it's we'll a nice callback as well. The handshake. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, from our last pay-per-view coverage when uh, he Stevie doesn't he knows that Chavo's up to something like last time. Before the match, before we get to the action, Chavo is on the mic calling out Stevie, saying the match is null and void because he is the champion. He hasn't not he hasn't notarized. Stevie even ripped up the old contract, but he still has the notary stampy thing. So he's made another one for himself, and he's officially champion. When Stevie makes his way out to the ring, he starts shouting at him. Can you not read? Which I think Stevie's actually offended by. He looks like he's going to murder Chavo. Uh, he says he'll wrestle Stevie if they shake hands. It's the official. I don't know. It's ROH before ROH was born. They have to shake hands or the match doesn't begin. <laughs> and Chavo just chasing Stevie around the ring, trying to uh, shake his hand. I think that is quite funny. It's also quite original. I have not seen this before. And of course, it's all it's all a ploy he immediately drop kicks Stevie in the knee and they do this cat and mouse thing that lasts a little long where Chavo's getting in and out of the ring. Every time uh, Stevie's getting in and out of the ring, he kicks him. Stevie looks genuinely annoyed because I think Gus is right. It's a very hot day. And this is getting in and out of the ring 50 times when you're as big as that man must be exhausting. But Stevie eventually catches up with him and does the most dangerous pedigree I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I didn't know that this was Steve. It's a slapjack. I did not know this was Stevie's finish. I hope he doesn't do it that often because he Mm. almost murders Chavo. He does it a lot. Oh my God. Mm. Has he killed a man? It's just so (laughs) bad. From that silence, I would say yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He just hooks the arms for way too long so the wrestler can't protect themselves. They're just getting driven face first. I thought Chavo was in trouble, but he seemed fine. After the match, Stevie gets on, uh, on the mic challenges anyone to get in the ring if they want to stop the beating that's about to happen, which is, again, terrifying. I kind of love Stevie Ray. And Eddie is out to stop the beating. He says he doesn't want any part of a fight with Stevie, but not to hurt Chavo anymore. So we're we're getting this, is Eddie a face now? Is he still being that sneaky heel that manipulated Chavo before? Is he now sorry for how crazy he made Chavo? Kind of interesting storyline. What do you guys think of this? We'll call it a segment, not a match. (laughs) It was okay. Yeah, I, I think that it does bring intrigue because now it's kind of signaling that Stevie Ray might be turning heel as well. He is face, right, Gus, in the coming weeks? I don't think they've been treating him as a face for a very long time, mm-hmm. to be honest. I think as soon as he came back and was like telling Booker to win in a different way, they've kind of just been setting himself up as like at least a bad guy lean, 
it was a little off-putting that Stevie Ray did come out to Booker's music or and Booker's music. Yeah, he always does. No, right. The uh, Harlem Heat music and the crowds doing the raise of the roof. So yeah, he, he, he got feels- pyro as well. But he, he doesn't normally get pyro, which he also did not give a fuck about his own pyro. <laughs> confused by, but I think he's been he's been a heel for a while now because I mean the whole the whole month is all sketchy. He's like essentially stolen the title. We just don't have the payoff yet of Booker coming back on. What the fuck are you doing? And like he goes, oh, it's select opponents, but they're always like mooks. Whenever he has defended the belt, it's been like a random Mexican cruiserweight we haven't seen that he gets to beat up. So it's not, I I don't think he's been a face for a long time. It's just, there's no, he hasn't had an actual feud. Like this, this is just a good intersection with Chavo because Chavo can Mm -hmm. interact with him, whatever. All right. Yeah. I think I like it then. Yeah, it's interesting. At least it's progressing storylines. Not everything needs to be a full match. I don't think this buries Chavo or makes Stevie look bad. And yeah, I'm kind of excited to see what all three of these guys do. Well, it's odd that you say that. Uh, no, no, Chavo's fine. Uh, I I don't think we see him on pay-per-view anymore on our timeline. I think we'll see him on the uh, the final episode that we do. So it's I'm kind of sad that we're, we're not going to really cover travel and Xantex really much anymore so yeah, i don't know if the storyline just goes dead here or or what, what happens what, probably just switches I, imagine. I did not expect travel when like i know travel's uh, good but like when does what? the latino world order show up that might be past our timeline oh no. okay yeah I, I did not expect this much out of travel like i knew i know he's a decent wrestler i know he can talk but this is pretty early in his career and i'm really impressed it says that no, okay. It says 1998, so maybe we do. Ooh, get it. Ooh hopefully. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know where, what way Eddie's going to go because Eddie has been very bland in the last month. He's been on the shows and wrestling, but he hasn't. He, he's kind of stopped interacting with Chavo. He hasn't been really involved with him that much. And if I can um, recall correctly, keep, keep us updated because I think this is the infamous spitting on or pouring water on himself the incident with Eric Bischoff. So I think that's coming. Uh, okay. I think that turns into the LWO. So I think that's no, where right, we're right, going right. here. So buckle up. Okay. Okay. We get two for one in this show, second internet position. Uh, and, uh, it's Jericho warning Malenko to stay away, uh, stay straight, call it fair. And the conspiracy ends here tonight. We'll see about that. A plus. Yeah. yeah Cause great. he's top. He's topless. Just like bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of match number six next. Rick Steiner is down to the ring and he's ready to fight his brother. But JJ Dillon says it can't happen. You hit him with a chair. You injured him. He's out for at least two weeks. The NWO doctor and the WCW doctor say at least two weeks. Buff wheels Scott out on a stretcher. It's so glorious. Buff still has the what neck happened? brace. <laughs> It's just over the top. Like he, he just hit him in the back of the head with a chair once. That's like, but what happened to Buff Bagwell? Uh, <laughs> it's so, it's so disappointing. So he cuts that amazing face promo. Remember? Great. It was good. Great promo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he comes out after Bash of the Beach and he's like, I've been doing a lot of thinking. It's been great to see already. This is a problem because he's on, he's been on the show too many times now if he's going to be like the face and you're like, what's going on? And he's like, Oh, he's still in the wheelchair. And he's like, I- I've got, I've been doing some thinking, Rick, I know you're in the back. I'd love for you to come out and talk to me. So Steiner comes out. He's still in a sling. And Buff is about to tell him what sounds like he's going to apologize and go, listen, no hard feelings. What happened happened. It wasn't your fault kind of thing. And then Hogan comes out and berates the two of them. 
he calls them both cripples because he's lovely <laughs> and stops Buff from saying anything to Rick and then they jump Rick uh, while Buff is looking on in the wheelchair. They basically repeat the sketch the following week, except this time Buff gets to tell him blah, 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 and they apologize and he like hugs him or whatever. And that allows Scott Steiner to run out, blindside Rick from behind. Marcus Buff Bagwell miraculously stands, pulls off his, his neck brace, and he's been fine the entire time. And they just like pose over his corpse, whatever. And for the next couple of weeks, they just continue to insult Rick Steiner and tell him how much of an idiot it is because he was never hurt. This was all a long-term plan and it's just a con and blah, blah, blah. There's a really bad segment where Buff comes out dressed like Rick Steiner and uh, mm. only only answers and responds with, with barks. <laughs> so <laughs> that goes down really well. And that's when Rick comes out and hits Scott in the back of the head with a chair. And they've been talking about they want a match through it. Like Rick is like, I want a match with my brother. I got to deal with this. Sometimes you just got to fight kind of thing. So, yeah. But yeah, they completely ruined Bagwell. He's just a heel again and <laughs> nothing um, has changed. Ru- ruined. <laughs> this is the best segment I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but I have not- to say, this segment is fucking amazing. This segment is gold because of Scott, though. Like- <laughs> Scott, is, <laughs> Scott is so good in this segment. Holy shit. So- what do you think, Scott? Buff having the neck brace back on it being a stretcher instead of a wheelchair is a plus because they they all come out on on, on, you know crutches or and wheelchairs but it being an actual stretcher with like a breathing mask over him and he has a ventilator and and he has an IV bag (laughs) and he has his entire left leg taped up yeah and his arm he has his left arm taped up as well and as the guys say, every time Buff is like, how are you feeling, Sky? You can just hear him through the mask. And like, yeah, yeah, he says he's bad. The one that's like, do you think you can fight Scott? And he's like, oh, we'll try, we'll try in a couple of weeks. So yeah, he says he's going to try, but we don't know. You know, they could be long-term injuries. <laughs> it's so, it's so good. And then JJ D- Dillon has pulled a great trick because he tells them, you should have looked at that contract, guys, because it says, if you can't fight tonight, you have to fight in two weeks. Like, oh, I don't know if I can. And he's like, if you can't, you can never wrestle against Scott. And Scott shoots straight up, just stands <laughs> straight up. And it's comedy gold. His timing on this couldn't be funnier. While Rick then just chases them out of the arena because they can both walk. And they both sprint as fast as they can out, <laughs> out of the stage. I don't care if Buff never does anything good again. This is the funniest thing he's ever been involved in. It's so good. I think as well. Buff is the one who gives him Big Papa Pump. Oh, yeah? Mm. Like, I think he's the one who keeps calling him that, and that's where he gets it from. Because he said it a couple of times now, and he hasn't, Scott hasn't really had a catchphrase up until this point. Buff doing a lot for Scott. So this is where the the genesis of it is coming from. He is the stuff, all right. Yeah, he's he's, an A-plus segment. Uh, Actually interested in seeing how this ends. Yeah, and the crowd's into it too. They're they're chanting loudly bullshit. So I've got to mark it down because of the bullshit. You don't announce show- matches for other shows on a pay per view. I, I that say absolutely yeah. shouldn't happen. They really mm. wanted to see Rick like, fight. Yeah, they, they really wanted to see Rick fight. Yeah, just not announcing the match. Maybe saying like, "We'll get you." It's like you can't stay injured forever or something, kind of like that. Yeah, I, I can agree with yeah. that. I'm literally just picturing Scott just jumping up. Out of the, <laughs> it's the fastest he's ever moved. Like, 
This segment moved fast too. This wasn't like a, yeah. your typical Piper. I'm going to take 20 minutes to talk about nonsense. I got to the point. Yeah. I got to the point really quick. Being barred from wrestling, yeah, it's a, it's a, there's some stakes in there, but obviously, you know, wrestling's silly, so that's obviously never going to happen. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it, it was still a lot of fun, though. Yeah, I, I, I don't care too much about what happens to both long term because I think you guys are right. I was interested in seeing what he could do as a face, but. I'm now interested to see the hopefully what is the blow off match between Rick and Scott. Uh, yeah, this is <laughs> nothing better than having your blood feud uh, go on this long. That, just nobody cares anymore. That's that's the, I guess the downside of this. There are some good stuff that comes out of this, but yeah, it's just where we end up here to finally get this blow off match that we needed like four months ago. Just like, come on, guys. Yeah, very true. On to the next match of the night, seventh match if you count what Rick tried to do there. And it's Brian Adams versus Steve McMichael, Mongo match. And Brian is out with Vincent because nothing says legit NWO member. <laughs> oh, more Gus, than can you Vincent give me a beer, please? Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> yeah. This match. You really care about this NWO member. So recently, Mongo's been trying to reform the Horseman and he's been talking to it. Uh, you said you really loved a. Um, an interview that Aaron gives when he tries to convince Aaron to come back. Tell us a bit about that, Gus. Yeah, so there's after the pay per view where there was all the kind of weird stuff where Aaron was kind of hanging around and they're trying to talk to him, and Dean comes out and he says, "I I really want to speak to Aaron Anderson. I know he's in the building. I'm not leaving until he comes out." And so he comes out, and Mongo follows him. Dean is like, "Listen, I've been talking to Chris. You know as well as I do that like we met first in Japan, and we." became like sort of friends and that's how i got into wcw is through our friendship and stuff and he's like we really need you back we want the horseman back and we want to carry it on and so on what do you say kind of thing and Aaron gives this awesome promo about how he they question his fire and his willingness to wrestle and be participant anymore he gives this awesome rebuke where he just gives out to them for like you guys don't set the standard you don't understand what it is to be a horseman you can't just take it like you can't just become a horseman that's not how it works and it's nothing to do with my my fire because i've still got it the problem is i've got i don't have the tools anymore he takes off his shirt and shows off the scarf in his neck which is really gnarly if you've never seen it before uh, it's a good six to eight inches i'd say running up the back of his neck and uh, he's just like i would love to still be a horseman and i would love to be a part of this whole thing, but I can't. So please stop talking to me because it's not going to happen kind of thing. Great, great promo. He cuts probably the best thing in the entire month. So obviously not it's surprise. not. Arn is, he's, he's really impressed me. So obviously it's run. not on the pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. And then the following week, he gives an even better scolding when he comes out and he's like, so I'd been thinking about what you guys had said. I was willing to consider it and I wanted to see what the two guys could do. And like, that night, Dean and Mongo both lose their matches. And he's just like, well, you guys aren't worth it. Screw you. And leaves. Wow. And he's like, he's like, I'm not asking anymore. I'm telling you, do not bring this up again with me because you're clearly not good enough. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's great. Maybe a bit more shooty than we would think when you watch this match. Because <laughs> uh, I don't I don't like to spill, speak ill of Mongo at the moment, but he is bad. Oh, oh, they both are. Match. And I love Brian Adams, but Brian Adams think doesn't give a shit here. <laughs> I watched a couple times, and Adams certainly could have been more enthused in the match, but I don't think the botches are his fault. I also think he got concussed. Yeah, when he does roll out of the ring, he definitely has to like 
steady himself and like and, and the ref stops the match from continuing for a little bit like he holds mongo back i think he got his bell wrong so uh, this is just a pretty straightforward opening to a match mongo tries to run the ropes for some reason even though i think mongo's fine in other areas he can't run the ropes and he just completely gets tangled up and decides to try and recover by doing a ddt but he doesn't lead adams down yeah he just drops his body weight with adams's head in his arm so it's he just sad. drops him right on his head and Adams has to roll out of the ring and takes a bit of a breather with uh with uh, Vincent. Yeah, Vincent talks to him. Yeah, yeah, Vincent talks to him a bit, but like that's very NWO-ish as well. So it could have been planned, but his his eyes look glazed over. I didn't see anything about it anywhere. But like, if it's just a concussion, guys back then used to work with them all the time. You wouldn't see that in the dirt sheets necessarily. And he's not right. He he's not moving right for a lot of the match after that. And then at the end of the match again. Mongo fails to do a simple running of the ropes again and potatoes him. It's gnarly. And it's so funny because I think Mongo's doing other things very well. And he just, there's just these weird little gaps in his knowledge of wrestling that make him quite dangerous to be in the ring with. So he he, uh, he wins this match in the end. Uh, Virgil gets involved to try and keep Adams ahead. But uh, eventually, uh, after a ref bump, Vir- Virgil tries to hit Mongo with the chair, he ducks, Adam gets brained, Mongo dispatches of uh, of uh, Vincent, and he, then he hits the tombstone pile driver for the win, and tells the camera that the horsemen are on the way back if he has anything to do with it, he's sure of that. But like, he does stuff like that, he does like the tombstone very well, and that's a very scary move, and he does some of his like moves set well, but he, he can't run the ropes. What did you guys think of this uh, quote-unquote match? Awesome. I liked yeah, I liked the uh, the ref bump. I actually got it was like a genuinely natural looking ref bump for once. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was legit for a second, and that's the best thing I can say about the match. So, Mongo looks in real rough shape here. I'm, I'm I hate to sh- body shame people, but yeah, well, he he's looked better. We can say that, right? Uh, again, yeah. th- this was the other thing when I when I looked to the previous year, I was like, uh, I know Mon- Mongo's on the show. Let me let me see how how well in shape he is in it's noticeably different and that that has to be a reason why we haven't seen mongo lately and that's why we don't see him again this is the last time we'll see him on the podcast like he'll be on nitro here and there but you know this is his final pay-per-view match with the company they 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 pretty much let him go here he's yeah i, I know he has personal stuff as well right he's he's such a mixed bag where there's a lot of, i can see where they like them there's a lot of potential there and he's not scared to talk and I think they utilized him pretty well, to be, yeah, to be fair. They, they, they tried to use, they put him in a position to succeed and they tried to use him while I, I can't blame WCW on how he ended up, but this, this match shows why he shouldn't be wrestling at this stage. Yeah. And it's a shame too, just cause knowing his, his struggles with ALS currently and hopefully, you know, continues on, but I will say he's, he was a ridiculously good fit for the horseman. Like maybe you could say he didn't wrestle well at some stages. He exuded the confidence of a horseman. I think he was a really good fit. I think he would have been better if he wrestled a bit less and was a bit more of a mouse, uh, mouthpiece and just used as a kind of like special attraction. Yeah, maybe that's what it becomes too. I'm not sure. I, obviously, I know we get the the famous Flair promo. I think it's next month, so we can talk about that more. So I, I think that's kind of what he becomes. That That's absolutely fair. Uh, yeah, uh, in, interesting to see his journey. I, I know he was the butt of a lot of jokes, like the 
quote unquote worse horseman a lot of the time. Yeah, which is strange when, when he's when nowhere near to the worst. I don't think he's the worst. Yeah, after watching, like again, this is the worst version of him we've witnessed in this last match. We've never seen better matches. From... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think he gets maybe a little bit too much flack. He presented well. Uh, yeah, it's probably just because he was shoved. Like he was yeah. never not a horseman. Basically, he just came in. He's a horseman, and that's his entire career. Like so. Yeah. yeah. I'll also say um, he gets a lot of flack for that as well, but 100% Rick and the guys just wanted someone as famous as him on their team. Like, it's it's not only to give him relevance and make him better wrestler, it's to give the horseman relevance long-term. It's a little it's a little similar to how Hogan and DDP are, like, attaching themselves to these celebrities and athletes, and they know it's to up their personal image as well. So it, there, there is that. Like, the, this guy was never going to start as, like, a young lion guy that developed his character. Someone was always going to like attach to him, you know, Mean is out again, being very relevant and telling us about the iron horses. He's not even talking about anything else. He's not even pretending. It's not just about sponsorships anymore. He's out. He's on, he's on an iron horse. There's some girls around him. He makes them say woo. Very. He, he brought out woo girls with him. <laughs> yeah. He brought woo, woo girls. <laughs> very relevant to the show. Definitely need to be on here. Match number eight is uh, one of the longest matches of the night and possibly one of the best in Chris Jericho versus Juventud Guerrera with special guest referee Dean Milanko. Commentary talk about how Dean has finally kind of turned the tables on Jericho a bit here, that he has used the rules going around uh, against Jericho, where if a champion is acting untoward or cheating all the time, that WCW are allowed to have a special guest referee being their matches. As for the feud, which we've seen go on for also quite a while now, Dean got a shot at the title uh, on, is it Thunder or Nitro Bus? I, I honestly can't remember <laughs> which yeah. one it is. But. I, it's, it's one of them and a uh, stipulation. Probably is, Nitro though. If he loses this time, that is it. He cannot pursue Jericho anymore for the title. Of course, Dean gets too heated, gets himself disqualified for using some brass knuckles that uh, Jericho brings into the ring. And that's the end of his attempts at feuding with Jericho directly. But this is a nice indirect slot to put Dean in with and a very interesting twist in the storyline, still being able to be that torn in the side of Jericho. Has uh, has the feud still felt as heated as it has with the unmasking, uh, Gus? Or is no, it kind of- Dean's kind of meandered because... Yeah. Dean is a bit more limited in what he can and can't say and his ability on the mic. He really needed to win. I don't really understand why they didn't have him win the belt. So uh, why he's still involved, I'm not really sure. Like, they didn't really need to do this. Like, this is just to try and get him a little bit of heat back, I guess. Maybe he should have won a match uh, if that's what they cared about. Hmm. Yeah, hopefully, I'm hoping, uh, we'll go to the match in a second. I'm hoping this is one of the as much as I've enjoyed this feud, one of the last like big interactions they have. But interesting to put him in here. Uh, Jericho's out in the kimono. Is that Prince Iokeas? I think so, yeah. I think it's supposed to be Prince Iokeas. Either way, it's amazing. Yeah. Looks <laughs> it's so amazing. Good. At this point in the crowd, I just want, did you guys see the ICQ number? No. To really drag myself back to 1998. <laughs> I don't know. Do you remember what this is, Dave? No, no. ICQ was a, an internet chat. I think it's like a precursor to AOL and MSN. Oh, I think I have heard of this. Sorry, yeah, yeah, go yeah. Ahead. yeah, so there's just a guy who puts up and it just says ICQ and then it has like a six or seven digit number. 
<laughs> like, okay, come have a chat with him, I guess. We'll yeah. see if it's still on. See, wrestling fans are at the show. No other fan would put that up except yeah, the <laughs> there's, there's yeah, absolutely no way a biker has that. Yeah. <laughs> Although you could you could tell the the cameramen were definitely uh, <clears throat> they were perving around for this. Oh, show. they were. The they same were definitely Lord. had the preferred choice. Sorry, yeah. the same Jeez. woman with the American flag bikini was shown maybe like. Eight times in the she show. Had the bandana mm-hmm. as well. The, the blonde, bandana, is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was having the time of her life. She looked like she was great. But yeah, I'm like, guys, come on. There's other people in the crowd, you pervs, please. Jericho doesn't get into the ring and uh straight away. He addresses the fans and he wants the crowd to want him. Like, get it? Cheap trick. That's he, he gets, said that multiple times. Yeah, that, that's, that's, kind of that's a regular usual. thing. Yeah. yeah. It's a usual thing. He just cheap trick. Uh, he gets yeah. some nice heat here, some real cheap Mick Foley-esque heat. He, uh, very he calls cheap, them yeah. Very cheap, but worked very well. <laughs> he calls them all fake bikers, but he's a true champion. This is the, the good version of Disco's, basically. Yes. Where he attacked their their love of bikes as opposed to calling them, like... Just calling them fatty smatter. Yeah, <laughs> right. And yeah. then just kind of egging them on to, oh, don't rev your engines. Don't rev your engines. Oh, yeah. okay. We're going to rev it even louder. Yeah, the, the very typical, I want it to be quiet. I'm talking. Please be quiet kind of yeah. stuff. Really gets under this. <laughs> There's, there was a really, really funny, like, Brian Adams wrestled Goldberg for the title on a Nitro. And in order to pump him up, they gave him some promo time. And the crowd are kind of like annoyed and they're chanting Goldberg. And his literal response was, excuse me. (laughs) Oh, this isn't going to go well. Is that where she she got it? (laughs) Maybe. Uh, Maybe, yeah. The Malenko is played as being harsh, but fair at the start of this match, putting himself between Jericho and Hoovy to break a count. The camera also doesn't catch it, but the first time Jericho puts his hands on Dean, Dean just rips him by the hair into the corner. So Dean is taking no shit. It's uh, all down the middle, straight rules. What I don't like about this is they've kind of timed it badly. So he gets in between Hoovy and Jericho, but never counts to like five. This is usually a thing, you know, you count to five and you rip them apart because you're, you know, the strong wrestler, a normal ref couldn't do that. But he counts to two, Jericho gets off Hoovy, and then he stands in between them. I'm like, well, he listened to you. That doesn't make any sense. Dean's timing with some of the ref stuff isn't amazing. And you can even see once or twice Jericho like tells him to move so he can do a move. Not fantastic by Dean here. Yeah, the co- the commentary try to cover up for it because they're kind of yeah. confused. Is this consistent? Oh, well, it's not. Oh, wait, it is. Wait, it's oh. all off by a couple seconds. And we've said this about Dean and Jericho before. Like they have these good ideas and their execution isn't perfect, but still enjoyable, still makes sense insane uh, jump by Hoovy here, the springboard from the top to the out- outside. And what I mean by that is, again, like in other Road Wild shows, there's like a platform the ring is on, and then there's a jump down from that, where the crowd is in the guardrails. So from the top rope, Hoovy jumps all the way down to the guardrails onto Jericho. How his knees survived, I'll never know, but it looked pretty insane. Uh, WCW, please cover these spots better, please. Like, yeah, you almost missed it. Yeah, he, he, that man tried to kill himself, and you didn't even get it on camera. Like, it's <laughs> back in the ring. Uh, I hate. I actually don't dislike this match, but these are some of the most notable things. Uh, a little botch by Jericho, but it's covered up really nice. Hoovy goes for a spring, uh, springboard crossbody, and it's obvious Jericho's supposed to catch him and do a typical like fall away sra- slam or military press, but instead he falls. 
And Hoovy goes to get up off of Jericho to fix the spot, but Jericho holds him down, like pulls him back down for a pin. So it gets a two count, and then they just restart. Like you can see Jericho talking to Hoovy, they just restart the spot. And I think even young Jericho being a pretty great ring general there would be really easy to be a bit awkward and both of you just get up and set up the spot again. But he did a little transition that made it. I, th- I don't think that noticeable unless you're an absolute nerd like me looking for that kind of stuff. I think uh, what Gus said earlier is really evident in this matchup point as well. Jericho really grinds the contest down to a kind of halt. He knows he's the heel. He's jawing to the crowd pretty consistently. The only thing that's like really notable besides some shine spots for Hoovy is um, the suspect moments. Is Malenko being fair? Is he going to like screw Jericho over? Was that count fast, which the commentary kind of get on a couple times, but nothing that exciting considered the people in the match. Hoovy hits a Hoovy driver, but is cut off from the 450. Jericho reverses a Rana into a Lion Tamer and thinks he's won the match when Hoovy gets to the uh, rope and gets into Malenko's face asking what happened. He tapped. Hoovy is going ham in the corner. That's when uh, Malenko tries to stop it and uh, gets hit accidentally. While Malenko is blinded, Jericho hits Hoovy with the title. Jericho slaps Malenko to wake him up from his blindness. Hmm. And it, imme- <laughs> <laughs> it immediately gets his attention and he begrudgingly counts. <laughs> yeah. He's holding his eye and Jericho just slaps him and all of a sudden both his eyes work again. I, I, I didn't get that. But a very, very harsh slap as well it's by just Jericho. Hitting the nerve back into place. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Immediate- his shirt is eyes is ice, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my god, the, the shirt is so bad. I want it so bad. <laughs> oh, th- this uh, gets a begrudging two count from Milenko. Jericho's on the top turnbuckle, and Hoovy follows him up and starts just hammering away. Milenko tries to break them up because you're not. Everyone knows you're not allowed to punch people in the corner. Come on, guys. But they won't stop. So Milenko pulls Hoovy down. Jericho boots him in the face for no reason. So Milenko turns around in time for Hoovy to run into him and for Milenko to like catapult uh, Hoovy up to the top rope and do a top rope rana for the win against Jericho and to crown the new champion. The match itself may be a bit sloppy. I'm not highlighting some, maybe some of the better moments that the guys might've noticed, but I think that ending looked pretty spectacular and was maybe worth the setup. Post-match, Jericho tries to attack, but Lanko just throws him out of the ring and lets Hoovy have his moment. Guys, what did you think of this match? I really like this match. You kind of pointed out that it's awkward that, or Gus did that, you know, Dean's not getting the the victory here. It's just kind of awkward. But if I had a choice between any wrestler, I would have it either be Hoovy or Ray. So I thought this was the right choice. Good spot to end the end the match. Hoovy's been you know, we've we've actually enjoyed his work a lot since he's lost the mask, which is I think mo- the most surprising. Even though this was a cruiserweight match at Road Wild, I thought they kept the crowd in it throughout the whole thing, and I thought this was a nice ending to this kind of storyline. Yep, I agree all with Connor. It's not the best best match you'll ever see from the two of them. I'm sure they have better yeah. individual performances, but it's perfectly good here. End is great. Yeah, the Dean stuff's weird. I hope they just move on and. Whatever. I'm sure Chris will move on, though, because he has lots of fuel there to now go this, into completely insane. So next, so. We, get to, we get to my favorite <laughs> angle here. This is so. when next month Chris Jericho will have the the TV title. I don't even know how he gets it off. I don't even know if it Stevie, is TV, Ray. Yeah. I think it's, it's very bizarre. He talks about it in his book, and it's very weird. So we'll definitely talk about that next month. But, but I mean, Chris is the best thing 
on the shows pretty much weekly. So not, not too surprised that this yeah. is the best match on the card. Yeah, just really, really invested. Kept the crowd in it. And yeah, Hoovy is a really good baby face is the thing. Like you'd think it wouldn't work, but it does. Um, it does. For a guy who never talks and I don't know, he, sometimes he doesn't have great emotions or whatever, but he just just worked really well. So interested to see where it goes. I, I get the sense that he might not hold on to the belt for very long. All the same. I will add Dino Machino is a uh, <laughs> he gold. has so many good Jimbo Jim Bob Dylan or Jimbo mm-hmm. Dylan. There's a fantastic angle. So he Dean loses the match, and the next week they do the segment where they reveal he's going to be the special guest referee. But what he first does is he comes out with JJ Dylan. He was like, "Yeah, I'm out here. I'm going to take suck it up, take the loss like a man. If Jericho wants to come out here, I'll tell him." I'll say he was the better man and we'll let, let, let that be done. And Jericho comes out with glee. Like he is like, hey, what was that you were telling me? Go on, tell me how good I am. Tell me how awesome I am and stuff. And it's it's so well done. But that's how they wrangle him into becoming the special guest referee because he admits that he's like the champion and he admits certain things. So it's really well done. I get what you guys are saying about the Dean not winning being a little awkward. I think I like this end to the feud way better than Dean getting a win. And I think, because that happens though, it's like underdog babyface gets insulted for weeks and finally gets his hand on the champion and wins or loses and moves on. I think there's a great parable kind of here about Dean not being able to control his anger to really get the comeuppance that he, like, that he should have got off Jericho, like to really get what he deserved. He couldn't control himself. So that's like the last match he has. He uses the brass knucks. Jericho's just way too under his skin. He can't be impartial. He can't be fair. He can't actually be a babyface because he's just too mad. Jericho's too good at getting under his skin. Yeah, so it, ho- it, it got pushed too far with yeah the the comments about his family. So yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, That's exactly. Fair, yeah. He he can't be the babyface needed to beat Jericho, but he can help another babyface. And, and like, also, actually, as it occurs to me, this is him repaying a favor. <laughs> I've just yeah, realized. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because Hoovy left the ring. Yeah. Hoovy lets him win the Battle Royale. <laughs> yeah, he, so. Hoovy gave him a chance, right? Yeah, Hoovy's like. Hoovy lost his mask to Jericho as well. Yeah. yeah. So this is all actually really great continuity. I think certain things could have been done better. And like, they probably had a couple too many matches after the unmasking of Dean and stuff. But Dean is like an imperfect hero. He can't, he can't be good enough. And that's a really interesting story that maybe wrestling isn't a place to always have grandiose stories. But it's really easy just to have Dean win, win and be a babyface for a bit and lose the title to another heel later. It's different to have Dean being this like flawed hero that can't avenge his fa- uh, father, dead father. Like that's like really interesting to me. I think, unfortunately, for your lofty ambitions, there, I get the sense that Dean just might not be involved though at all. I yeah, don't, I don't have also, enough credit to give them. Yeah, there's also a chance this is not what they planned and just has played out nicely in my head. But it's yeah, it's interesting the continuity of him helping. Hoovy after Hoovy gave him the title shot that he needed, basically, is is some nice continuity at least, and not the worst way if you want to be a bit different about ending a storyline. And I think I agree with both of you. Decent cruiserweight champion Hoovy's been great since he's been unmasked. No of his challenger though, actually. Now that I think of it. No, that I have a feeling they're just going to run back Ray a couple times. I can't say anything because I know what happens. Okay, yeah, fair. Yeah. yeah, it feels like they might just run back Ray, but like it's also WCW. Al Dandy might just be champion next week. I don't know. <laughs> but obviously I did spoil Jericho because like this is 
probably the most like well-known couple months of his career as well. So it's yeah. it's yeah. not it's no secret of what what happens next. No, very true. Yeah, it's time for the real conspiracy victim. Exactly. I mean, obviously, like it's time for him to move on. Like he's bigger than the cruiserweight title. So like, oh, he's I'm, so I'm, much. He's so far ahead of everybody. Knowing what happens in three months, it, it even makes it makes me even more mad of how well he's ex- like excelling with what he's been. What dealt. he's cost. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Very true. Uh, very. Yeah. Very lucky. This is on our timeline because it's a very interesting part of WCW mid card to talk about. Speaking of mid card nerds. Match number nine, the NWO Battle Royale. <laughs> mid-card. Who's mid-card? I'll, no, I'll give you Conan, all, all right? Yeah. Uh, this is a stacked fair. ring we're seeing. No, it yeah. is, actually. So this is the Wolfpack versus Hollywood in a Battle Royale with Goldberg just going, I want to wreck you, so I'm also going to enter. Yeah. Which, there's more to that. There's a lot more these guys <laughs> doing the Nitros. There's a lot more these guys doing the Thunders. But basically, they still all hate each other. A lot of it is centered around Nash and Hall that kind of you know we were friends and you chose the money storyline but mostly yeah it's the rift that we've seen happening over the last while playing out and goldberg them needing something for goldberg to do that's not sugarcoated they needed something for goldberg to do oh my god i've so much to say about goldberg whether it's now or later they're completely ruining him (laughs) we we can jump into it now because this this match is a nothing match that is just something for him to do here literally any of these guys could be his could be main eventing the pay-per-view with them and they didn't do anything. Instead, I, they're all stuck in the schmoz. I was excited when you told me Scott Norton had made a bit of a mini return and they were like pumping him up to be big. I'm like, imagine Goldberg just blowing away Scott Norton, just build up Scott Norton for a month and then just have Goldberg demolish him in a feud. That'll make Goldberg look great and you're not wasting. Like Scott Norton isn't this big name that you're wasting. You could do that. Nah, let's just put every one of his competitors that we could do two years worth of feuds in <laughs> in one match and except have him beat. Except for two people. Yeah, except for two people and have him win that match handily. Like, not close. Make everyone else look like a goober in that match. It is insane to me. <laughs> do, you, do you want to know what the, the hilarious uh, instigating event of him wanting to get into the ring with them is? No, what, what is they, it? They trashed his, his dressing room. That's all his, they did. His and it wasn't even particularly bad. Like <laughs> they just kind of like sprayed their name on the on the walls or whatever. This he, match he, might reveal some of the most greenness in them that I've seen. Yeah, uh, I will give him credit. They finally did a promo with him, and it was short and to the point. Good. Not much to it, but he nails the catchphrase. Like day one, it, he finishes the promo with "You're next." They finally involved him. The Nitro after Bash of the Beach. There's this cool little mini story where Hogan is basically going a bit paranoid because he lost the belt to Hogan or he lost the belt to Goldberg. Sorry. He blames Scott Hall for it. So he's like, Mm. we're going to wrestle so that we can be done with this. They have the match towards the end. There's a big brawl because there always is a bunch of people are are interfering. Kevin comes down and he actually goes and helps Scott like he doesn't try to beat him up. He just tries to help him out. And he gets betrayed again by Scott. And like that cements his place with, with, with Hogan again. So there's this big schmoz. It's DDP is interacted as well. All, any baby faces are in the ring and they're getting beaten up. And the crowd is going mental for Goldberg. And he just doesn't come out. <laughs> they just, he just doesn't appear. And then there's like a short two minute TV break. And then he's, he's out for his own main event match. As if he's in a completely different world to everybody else. So they, they finally bring him in with the, the dressing room thing. And he's just like, 
I heard you were having this battle royale thing. I want a piece of you guys. Specifically, he wants to get a piece of the giant. And because the giant's in the battle royale, he'll, he wants in. And they're like, yeah, sure. Why not? We can just beat you up. So, so would you say he's losing? Like, has he lost steam? Not with the crowd. The crowd still love him every time he shows up. He's not yeah. there as much. He doesn't right. wrestle as much. However, he does have an inflated record. <laughs> I think they go to like 128, I think they mm-hmm. say, on this show. And he was at 120 the last time he wrestled on hmm. TV. So, Well, just um, guys out on the street. Here, like, <laughs> yeah, he's he's on Bat Royals probably because they, they try and give him like nine wins here. Oh, that's such a good comment by Brian at the end. Like, yeah, it's 130 something now, right? That must count. <laughs> he's just not interacting still. He doesn't really help anybody. He kind of sort of helps DDP once. But for the most part, he's just has his match or has his interaction, whatever it is, one off thing. And that's it. And the rest of the show just carries on like he he's not there. The, the world title doesn't mean anything right now. <laughs> I just don't understand why he's not just wrestling an NWO guy. Like it's an easy storyline. They don't have to do much with it. I guess because uh, they... This whole battle royale is built around him and Giant, so I guess they just didn't want to have that payoff right now. Is my is my guess? I just there's so many ways they could have protected him in this battle royale. The battle royale is a horrible idea, Hor- fucking atrocious idea from any booking point of view. I don't know why it isn't just a five way tag match, so you can keep all the NWO feuds away from each other while still giving the crowd the entire NWO like they That's do in fair. Japan all the time. Yeah, it's, it's mind boggling that they haven't done that and just didn't put Goldberg in a two minute squash like they have every other pay per view. But that's fine. That's fine. They could have also had every NWO member jump him, leave him for dead, and he comes back at the last moment just to be giant. They had him. I'm not even going to go through the match because you can look it up. It's a seven minute match, and everyone's eliminated by the giant uh, by Goldberg and one person by Giant. They had no, him no, 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 no. There's two. There are two clever yeah. men. Mention the clever men. Yeah, there are two clever men who get away intact. We'll let you guess who those two are. The guys who never take any pins in their life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kevin eliminates himself. What was that famous um, yeah. Mexican wrestler that did that in the Royal Rumble? Uh, I don't know. Randy what? does it. Anyway. Are you talking about Hoovy? No, no, no. In, w- in an old WWE run, uh, Rumble, they get, I don't know if it's a Puerto Rican or Mexican wrestler, and he's like one of those, you know, Anoki types, the booker, the godfather of wrestling there. Mascaris, like oh, I think it was Mascaris. Like it might, it might have been, I think it is Mascaris. And they're like, okay, you're going to get eliminated at this point. And instead, he just jumped off the top rope onto people outside. <laughs> so only Mascaris eliminates Mascaris. Yeah. <laughs> oh, only no. Kev eliminates Kev. Only Kev's yeah. want to hurt yeah, I guess, Scott Hall. I guess Kev. Hall does get eliminated, but it's he cool still spot. gets away with it. Like, and yeah, he Kev cool gets spot. to run away with them. <laughs> and then yeah, it's just. Goldberg waiting to spear people, which is really awkward because mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to do a battle royale. And apparently no one told him. And the commentators are trying to build up. He's being so smart. Look at him dodging the action. I'm like, that's not how battle royales work. I, I will, in a sense, Goldberg does give off good visuals though because he's always turning his head. Like yeah. he's always on point, like being very attentive to the situation. Yeah, I don't mind what he's doing. Right. Like I, I thought that that sense of the booking was fine, but the problem with it is so if he did that and what he did once or twice was just spear someone when they he got into their like eye line but everyone wasn't on the same page so like henny gets speared like two or three times before he gets thrown <laughs> out because obviously either goldberg or hennig is missing the cue and like i think he spears him the first time and, like oh fuck he's not actually supposed to be eliminated till like three minutes 
Nerf didn't say three minutes, so I'll just leave him there. <laughs> and he just walks back into the corner. I'm like, okay. So it's just poorly, I think it's just poorly planned. I don't know if it's the ref or the guys in the ring or Goldberg, but there's just poor timing on what they're trying to do. There could have been a six-man tag, no problem, yeah. and they could have had a world title match. Yeah, easy. Easily. Easy. Easy. And it wouldn't have been, wouldn't have taken much to build up. Like, Yeah, you, you could have just had, like, even if you don't want to give away anything in the six-man tag, you could have just had it descend into chaos and be a no contest or something, right? Well, they kind of did that a bunch of times, so <laughs> throughout the weeks is the problem. I never want to shit on someone trying to be creative, but you've basically made all of Goldberg's con- like next competitors look like goobers. Like well, he's, he's done them. He's done them all. Is the problem, and he's used up the best spot that they had. Yeah, all in one go. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. It's insane. I remember Nash talking in shoot interviews about when they cattle prod him later, when they take yeah. the title off Goldberg the first time. Like, what are we going to do? Have him beat us all again? I'm like, not book the match where he booked, beat you all in two and a half seconds. How many years were the feuds? Is this like two, three? If they do it right, yeah. Yeah. St- Sting Goldberg? Goldberg just makes Sting look like a goober. That could be like one of your biggest feuds of all time. Just give him a looker. He could have oh, had like a month's sting, program with Sting, Sting, Sting's had a, quite the month. I'll give you that as well. Again, I, I know I say this a lot, but the big reason I was interested in this podcast when it was pitched to me by Connor was I get to look at the stuff that WWE is lying about, right? So when they tell me like... <laughs> X went under because of X or that like Goldberg was actually big or like Nash was a dick. They, you know, they put those narratives out and I get to look at them and judge for myself. But I think they speak too favorably of Sting and Goldberg. They ruined them fast, Gus. They sunk those money ships fast. Like compared to Austin or Rock or Mankind and how much WWF were willing to go with these people. Compared to, like, I know they gave him the championship, but he's not even the main event. Why not have him with Jay Leno? I, I mean, can't have Hogan not in the main event. What are you talking about? Oh. <laughs> he's the draw, Dave, not Goldberg. Bret Hart's under contract with his company. Mm-hmm. What do you think Bret Hart did for the month? <laughs> did he moan and complain? Mm, Dave? Had some five-star matches with the marvelous mid-card that they have. Mm, sadly, sadly, Connor is far closer to the truth. God damn. Uh, <laughs> Bret Hart comes out, tells people that he's kind of sick of for, of his treatment, and that everybody doesn't care about him. And there's only two people in the in the company that treat that treat him with respect, and that's Hulk Hogan and Sting. <laughs> Everyone goes what? <laughs> what? And so he goes, "All bets are off. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to rampage." Blah blah blah. So he starts interfering in random matches. Like just hitting people with chairs and stuff, and then trying to like be really nice to Sting and be like, "We could be so good together." <laughs> like just just give it a chance, kind of thing, and like playing the odds. He wins the U.S. title. Yeah, he he's the second highest champ and not in the pay per view at all. I was gonna wonder. I was gonna say, what happened? What's with the U.S. title? When was the last time they we just even- decided that him and God, who did he beat? Was it DDP? Yeah, he, he beats yeah. DDP in the show. DD, yeah. yeah, DDP. He beats DDP for the title. Uh, so he is the US champion. And uh, also he just fits in. But He's like, by the way, I was never in the NWO. And they all kind of go, oh, okay. Sure. They just have no idea what to do. <laughs> yeah, so for, uh, throughout this whole time, he has never been a member of the NWO. He's just respected Hogan. And that's why he hung around with them. 
sure. And so he he int- he interferes with um, different uh, Sting matches, trying to talk to him and stuff. They have a tag title match earlier in the night. Luger gets attacked by presumably who they think is Scott Hall. When Sting finds him, he goes, he gets really angry and leaves. And he actually goes back to the black and white face paint and like comes from the rafters and everything, has the bat, old music, everything. And he wrestles by himself. And then Brett comes out to be his tag partner and they win the match (laughs) in theory for the belts. But the referee saw some shenanigans, so they don't win the belts. But of course, they go off the show with them celebrating with the belts. Oh. And yeah, so he's he's this weird kind of pseudo feud going on with Sting. But like none of that's referenced tonight. And I mean, Brett's not even on the show. So yeah, it's great. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's maddening how bad the booking's getting. Mm. Like it's diabolically bad. I, I think this battle, this battle royale is just such an example. Like all the matches you could have made out of this battle royale, all the stuff you could have done with Brett, all the stuff. I, I like don't I, I don't understand why there's not a Scott Hall versus Kevin Nash match. Well, they're <laughs> like, they're, I, they're building to it. And yeah, in the in the dirt sheets, I think Nash and Hall were smart enough that like we don't want to do this shit at Road Wild. So yeah, that, that's fair that, enough. That I understand, but yeah. like that could be a thing they could have done. They could have had Luger, Conan, and Sting wrestled three NWO guys and they could have giant Goldberg. They could have Goldberg and any of the guys. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I'm not as down as you guys are on it. I think it was fine. I, it was a way to differentiate Goldberg's involvement on your show. Cause I know we've, we've said in the past, or at least on the last episode that it's like, well, Goldberg just had a, a typical nitro match on the pay-per-view. Yeah. This was a, a way to kind of do something different with me. So I was actually fine with it. I thought it would have been, I, I don't think you can do it cause he has the title. I think matches like this are a really interesting way to give monster faces losses. So I don't think anyone's going to care if every member of the NWO, even when he's eliminated them, come back in the ring and throw him out. You know, something like that. I, I don't think you can do that because he's champion. But it's a weird one to have him just beat all the all the heels in the company. Yeah, if he just didn't beat every single person, I think it would be a little bit better for me. Or it's small things like, why doesn't Brett come out and eliminate Sting? They're kind of feuding. So then... You, you keep Sting, you just don't have Sting and Goldberg touch each other at all, and you've saved a future feud there. Or, yeah, lots of interference could have happened. This could have been a big, for once, it could have been a big schmoz that works, you know, and, and you still make Goldberg, because I like the one time I wouldn't mind every NWO member hitting the ring, so it's just complete nonsense, and they just don't do it. Because they, they have Hall and Nash basically be their own little thing, and it doesn't matter that Goldberg eliminated one of them because they're their own little feud in the corner. It's making your strongest baby face almost too strong. It's the it's the Aslan fucking theory in, in literature. <laughs> like, how can you have this guy ever lose to someone? It doesn't make sense. It's like it's like why they kill off Gandalf, like the first couple of chap- uh, chapters of Lord of the Rings. How can anything exciting happen when Gandalf's around? I don't know why you went to Lord of the Rings. You could have like brought it to current times of, I don't know, Roman Reigns. Yeah, Roman (laughs) Reigns is what came to my head. I was like, yeah, it's at at this stage. I understand why Kev and Hall complain a bit. Now they're part of the problem as well. But how are we going to give this guy a loss? How are we ever going to take the title off him? I don't know. When we do, how do we not have the crowd revolt at this stage? I think they just, the problem is they they have the path. They've just chosen not to take it is is what's bothering Mm. me. Like there is a clear like, Let's work through the NWO guys and then Kev can probably work his way through Hall and stuff on the other side 
and he can be the equal of Goldberg yeah. eventually. Or someone else, whoever it is. like Scott Norton. <laughs> Flash Norton. Scott Flash Norton. I keep calling him. Yeah. K-Dog. K-Dog. Rowdy, rowdy. Yeah, this is just... The match itself, I think you're right, Connor, isn't a bad thing. I don't like always shitting on like ideas. This is a way to get him to show different things and make him look strong. I think it's a bit too strong. and There's too many main members of the NWO in here. Right, and, and that's fair. Yeah, why, why isn't well, Virgil getting like seven jackknives or the something? Problem, like that, you know the problem I mean? is there's literally only four Wolfpack members, so they're all true. in it. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. Hey, at least they're on the show this time. That's yeah. very true, yeah. They're actually in a match properly. They don't just beat up the dancing I mean, it's just such times. a shame that you guys didn't get to see the Masahiro Kono and Muda match. <laughs> that, I got it. that was my one reward. I was like, I'm getting to see who now? And of course... They wrestled the ever reliable dancing fools. <laughs> so you got to see Muda beat the shit out of Disco for. Oh, I'm pulling up that match right after we're done. <laughs> okay. So, so I won't harp on too much more about this. We'll move on to the main event. But I, I think this is a problematic kind of match in the card and not in how it's built or like read the Goldberg stuff, but who's missing, who's not on the card, what we could have planned for the future. I think this is someone like Bischoff going, oh, fuck. They kind of want to show the whole NWO in Sturgis. And I kind of want to show Goldberg. Yeah, just sho- shove him into the match. Goldberg wins. On to the main event of the night. Of course, we have Buffer out announcing it because your champion doesn't deserve to get announced, but uh, the participants of this match do. And it's Diamond Dallas Page and Jay Leno with Kevin Eubanks, who I didn't know who that was. So sorry uh, if I'm being a bit ignorant, but is the, oh. yeah, is the, is the leader of the Jay Leno band, yeah, the band leader. Yeah. yeah. The band leader. I, I and he's know. jacked to be fair to him. That's what great. I was most surprised with. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He looks fucking great. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like sign that guy up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, think the, I think the match was originally supposed to have the disciple and Eubanks wrestle. Which I'm huh. glad they went this I'm glad this they option. didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's against Hogan and Eric Bischoff. We went through a lot of the build-up for this match at the start of the pay-per-view. But essentially, yeah, this is riding on the back of the celebrity appearances, re-popping the ratings of the previous pay-per-view. And they've kind of forced this rivalry with Jay. Gus was talking about DDP getting involved because his wife got insulted by Eric. And that's kind of the last little bit. They mentioned on announcing here that like DDP is now the celebrity trainer almost, which is very ironic with the current career he has in yoga training celebrities. <laughs> yeah. But they mentioned that he trained Carl Malone, which sounds funny because it's supposed to sound like something big and glorious, right? But he's had one match, which he <laughs> lost. <laughs> it's a very weird thing to boast about. The train, the training of the man that's 0-1 in professional wrestling. What's key to point out here is uh, Jay Leno has not been on WCW TV what? at all. Not once? No. So weird. So the only interaction that he had with them was on his show, and then they took pot shots at him from Nitro. That's it. And there was no convoy bringing Jay to the <laughs> there, arena. There was not. There wasn't. There was no uh, press conferences that they endlessly repeated. Nothing like that. Uh, I like that Buffer calls Eric Bischoff on the way out to the ring. What, what was it? A quote-unquote martial arts belted expert. <laughs> Uh, hmm. He gets better hmm. by the month. <laughs> Worth every dollar. They're accompanied by Disciple and Elizabeth, uh, of course. And Elizabeth Je- is essentially Eric's valet, by the way. Yeah. Like, she only appears when he's around. It's kind of weird. Next out is DDP and Jay Leno, and they have the, what I assume is the Tonight Show music. 
I, uh, yeah, uh, that's what I assumed. I don't know. <laughs> can you confirm that, Connor? Uh, I can neither confirm nor de- deny that. I wasn't sure if this was a network dubbed music piece. Sure. I just don't. I just don't remember. I, I like like we all said. Like I I watched the tonight show, but it's been so long since I have. Yeah, I I assume it's uh it's at least supposed to mimic his intro. Yeah, neither, music, either way, I didn't like it because I, I was I wish they came to DDP's music. Yeah, again, when Carl Malone was with DDP, uh, as much as I had some objections about it, it was about DDP and Carl Malone. Like it was about them being a team. It's a better friends, theme to come cool. out to wrestling to <laughs> yeah. a wrestling match instead of uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, this is look, it's Jay Leno and DDP, so people don't get hurt while wrestling. It's it's kind of it very much centered around Leno opposed to a team or like Fuck Hogan, which the other consensus was you know i mean at least jay leno understands the number one rule of wrestling and that is promote yourself so he comes out wearing his own gear for the tonight show (laughs) the tonight show needed the ratings bump i think (laughs) (laughs) pre-match hogan tries to jabber to the the camera like he usually does and leno throws a bunch of water over him and hogan i don't know if he knew it was going to happen or not he looks so mad if he's acting, that was very good acting. Him and Bischoff don't look happy at all that water got poured over them. That is about Leno's best contribution to the match, unfortunately. Hogan and DDP start the match. We complained last time that this wasn't the case, so a lot happier that this is happening. After a lot of posturing and grappling, a cheap shot from Leno lets DDP get the upper hand, and the crowd loves when Eubank and uh, Leno get involved with some cheap shots of their own. Eubank looking great with a cheap shot on the outside. Hogan tells Disciple after this, if Eubank gets involved again, to shine his bald head. Which is a very weird <laughs> way of going around saying that. Also very weird coming from Hogan. Hogan. Who, yeah, Leno even makes fun of Hogan for not yeah. having hair in the match. Yeah. In a very cartoon, Looney Tunes cartoon kind of way, like pointing at his head. And Leno keeps pointing to his chin. chin yeah, as if that's... he's like, if I make fun of my chin, you can't. Kind of. My way. chin has like powers or something yeah. i thought it was more like hey hit me i thought you were gonna hit me okay yeah sure yeah. maybe yeah some weird cheap shots to ddp from uh from bischoff we end up with leno and hogan in the ring Ooh, the match we've all been waiting for leno runs around just teasing and jeering hogan and slips away and just tags ddp back in very anticlimactically ddp tags in leno again they do a bit of rotation and Leno just does like a bunch of arm twists, like art, like wrist locks, and this almost backfires. While Leno takes his only bump of the match, which is like a knee to the sternum. On the outside, and Eubank takes a chair away from Hogan before he can hit DDP. Eric gets uh, a few sneaky kicks in on DDP, which is most of his actions in this match as well. Hogan takes some uh, brass knuckles while he's not the legal man from Disciple. Like ref just looking straight at them, like walks into the ring and then the disciple distracts the ref on the other side of the ring and just hits DDP in a very badly choreographed spot. DDP does manage to kick out, but almost, I almost, they had me. I did think Bischoff was going to get a clean win or a sneaky <laughs> win over DDP and I might have had to stop doing it. Oh, the, ye of little fate. <laughs> I might have had to stop doing the podcast at that stage. I wouldn't blame uh, you. <laughs> we get a cathartic moment though of Leno versus Bischoff finally and Leno low-blowing Bischoff and fairness to Bischoff he does a great job of seeming like he doesn't want anything to do with Leno and running like a scalded dog every time he gets a chance Leno throws, his, uh, throws the worst clotheslines I've ever seen in my life uh, Bischoff a bunch cowering of times. was a little awkward 
I understand if you're going to cower to any wrestler, but to Jay Leno, when you're, you know, you're made out to believe that he's like, you know, a legit martial artist. Like, come on, man. You it's awkward be- when he doesn't care to DDP then. I'll say that. So you're like, oh, Jay, no, 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 not Jay Leno. And he tags out from Hogan straight away. But he's like, yeah, I'll take a couple shots at DDP. Yeah, or main the chin, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hogan steps in, but clocks Bish by mistake instead of Leno. DDP takes out Hogan. And Eubanks hits a really good cutter on Bischoff. Just slides into the ring, turns him around, hits a diamond cutter, rolls out. I don't know why the ref doesn't disqualify him. And Leno gets to cover Bischoff for the win, which is probably the correct winner, in fairness. Post-match, Hogan attacks the, the, the Tonight Show crew, but Goldberg runs out and double spears both Bisch and Hogan, just, which looks very weird and awkward. Bischoff, Bischoff Whilst wearing his belt, no less. Yeah, well, <laughs> at least he, he knows, he knows. Though maybe they're ribbing him like they ribbed Giant and told him he has to wear it everywhere he goes. So, this was... a. Uh, a match that took place. Do you guys have any comments and or feelings about it? I got many thoughts, man. Uh, <laughs> Gus, do you want to go first? or? Yeah, you? I'm just going to say this was better than last month's. That's, uh, yeah. By I far, agree. like by a mile, because they knew what they were expected to do and they stuck to it. That's, Simple that's, as. A, fair, that's a fair <laughs> point. Do you agree, Connor? Uh, 100%. When I first heard about this pay-per-view, when, you, when we talk about it in lore of wrestling, it, you know, this is booked as one of like, the worst pay-per-view main events of all time. But when I watch it and compared to last month, Leno at least has charisma. He's putting effort and like, those are both like impressive as well too. It's not like he's just kind of, Oh, he did one kind of quick spot, but like he's into it. He's having fun. And you know, the band leader was a nice touch as well to even out the odds against the NWO, which is also like a nice touch with Hogan matches as well. He usually shines better with the smoke and mirrors of the having like the managers get involved. So is this the worst main event ever? Not even close. Like no. I, I, I'll take this over the Havoc cage match any day of the week. I mean, is, is having Leno in the main event of your wrestling show stupid? Yes, obviously. But having DDP and Hogan drive the match, as, as we pointed out, like makes a world of difference instead of like depending on Rodman alone to try to wrestle. Like Bischoff and Leno, they had their simple spots and they did them. I just don't get why he has to wrestle. So I think the best part, I, I, I completely agree with you guys. There's actual structure to this match. Did I enjoy it? Absolutely not. Was there a point to it? Yes. They knew what they wanted to do. They knew what, what the ending wanted to look like. And they had the right people win in the right fashion. The best part of the match, I think, or where I was most entertained was Eubanks getting involved. He's also an, an athletic looking dude. So what he did looked convincing. But that got the best pops from the crowd as well. So why not just have like DDP versus Hogan? with Jay Leno as DDP's like hype man or manager. And then you have Bischoff as Hogan's manager and you have them take a bump somewhere, you know, you have Leno and him get in the ring and you have Leno, you can still have Leno like low blow Bischoff or something, you know, why do they have to be on the actual aprons? Like, (laughs) I just don't get it. It's so weird. There's more of an attraction quality to it. Yeah, I guess more of a kind of circusy sideshow, like your casual fan going. You hear that Jay Leno's going to wrestle? When else are you going to get to see him to wrestle? That's <laughs> yeah. it. That, that's the selling point. You're like, okay, I got to see it. And I honestly like this is the venue to do it. Leno's a huge biker fan. He's yeah, obviously he? over over the. Oh yeah, it's a huge car head as well. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. I didn't know. I did not know that. I was going to yeah. comment on his disagree the venue that's for Leno as well. I think that so. makes a lot, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't know he was actually really into this stuff. 
yeah, it's just, I think they just tried to carbon copy what they did last time. And we talked at length that we didn't like the structure of the match last time, but it made sense that athletes have matches. And it just makes sense to me that comedians, singers, stuff like this, like Cindy Lauper, one of the first manias and stuff, our managers and maybe get a little involved in the match for like good publicity. You know, you, you get that picture on, on the newspaper of Jay Leno hitting Hulk Hogan or something. You know what I mean? It just brought it down a lot, actually having them wrestle. I also think it's taking a little bit of shine off DDP. I think the last one put a bit of shine on him. I think this one was way less about DDP, you know, trying to get Hogan and way more about Leno getting Bischoff. Do you guys have the same feeling? Or I, I guess importantly, Gus, does it feel like that in the Nitros? No, I think DDP is bigger now. Okay, because of that. That's what, that's why I have in my notes. I thought he maybe just because I'm I'm more impressed with him showing up as a, a like working a match with two non wrestlers and he kind of carried the match. I would say that's true. I yeah. wouldn't even say Hogan's really much of a wrestler either. So it's no. <laughs> like to make this match passable. Like I think that's a, a sentiment to to DDP, and I, I he's think carried it's the feud 100%. essentially because yeah. Leno's not there and he's had the promos with Hogan. Yeah, they're not. They're nothing to write home about. Like he even <laughs> what I loved is they wrestled a singles match and towards the end, I don't know how many promos you've watched him, but he's gotten into the, at the end of it, he goes, you will feel the bang is like the end of his promo and the crowd shouts bang or whatever. But for whatever reason he goes, and some point, maybe you'll feel the bang. And I went, that's not very confident. <laughs> like, <laughs> so he has some missteps and stuff, but like, he's the big baby face on the show like even more so than goldberg because he gets time and he's in angles and stuff happens with him and yeah, so I'm like not- there's a big trust with him to be in the main event with hogan so right i'm not shocked he gets a title shot in the two months like yeah. he deserves it he probably should have the belt to be honest like mm. i know they kind of booked themselves into a corner with goldberg but right he probably should have got it before goldberg yeah, he's um, this is a bit of a soapbox thing for me because I've I've believed it for years, but I think DDP is one of the most wasted talents from this kind of era. Now, obviously, once everything like goes under and he has to go to WWE, that's all bets off. Like that's obviously a big mess, but it feels like they had him be the third or fourth guy constantly. And f- for a while, I thought like, oh, that that makes sense because Sting must have been so over. But now I'm watching it, I'm like. This thing was over, but they kind of ruined him and they breeze past him. I'm like, oh, but Goldberg is just too big to have someone be there before him. And I'm watching it. I'm like, well, they're wasting Goldberg and DDP is still insanely over. I'm like, oh, well, maybe they haven't beat Hogan. I'm like, they drag out the stuff for him and Hogan for months without a title. Yeah, but that's even almost better in a sense. Like, I don't think they're wasting him here. I think maybe he should have had the belt or whatever, but he's always involved. That's and he's true. main evented the last two pay-per-views. It's not an easy thing to do when you consider the amount of guys that are in that company at the time. And he That's had true. like those the and matches. He'll be with, in, and he'll be in the main event the next two pay-per-views as well. Yeah, yeah. And he had those matches with Randy as well, and they were fairly high up the card and they were big deals. It it just feels like it's not a full trigger pull on him. But that's maybe maybe his detriment is he's having such good matches like this with Hogan. Or what they see as good matches, good publicity matches with Hogan, where he's carrying matches with the celebrities and these other things. And they're just so happy with that. They're going to keep him like that, you know? Yeah, but like not all trigger pulls or whatever pushes have to end with you getting a belt. That's true. The thing. And I think they've served him well. Maybe he should have got the belt at a different time. But 
they haven't discarded him and they haven't neglected him, I don't think. I guess maybe the image of him isn't as uh, epic as people like Goldberg and Sting, and maybe that's because of they do ruin his image when he comes to WWE. Yes. <laughs> I, and I, maybe that's why I'm getting that feeling, because I think you are right now that you're like you're saying it out loud. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm being way too harsh here. He is like... By all accounts, a main eventer. Like not every main eventer needs the title. Yeah. And- I mean, maybe, maybe not, because I don't I don't really know how his career really evolves after the Halloween Havoc match. Cause I, I know he does stuff like with the title, like I don't know if it's like late ninety nine or two thousand or whatever, where he's actually in the title picture, but it's it's when people aren't watching the product. Yeah. So like yeah. what what happens with him when after he has like the biggest match of his life? That I don't know really, actually. Yeah. Is that the four-way match, the one he wins? Don't even want to get into it. I think what's bothering you, Dave, is that he doesn't have, like, a signature moment that people harp on about. Yeah, it's not even a big run. It's just, like, he doesn't have, like, this is his big moment, essentially, currently, is with the celebrity stuff. And that's a big deal. But it doesn't matter to, like, wrestling people. like long-term wrestling fans they won't typically won't see that as like oh that's really important that he was in that match yeah he, he beats i think it's like he beats goldberg sting and i want to say flair in a match like a four-way match and he like everyone thinks one of the others are going to get the title and i think he quotes that as one of his big moments but it's funny he's in the interviews he's such a grateful guy he's all about that positivity like oh i can't believe they went with me or i'm like oh, i can't believe randy let me beat him i'm like that's nice that you think like that. And it's very respectful. But Randy should have put you over every day of the week. <laughs> you were ridiculously over and he's he's old. Like, he should be putting guys like you over. Or he's like, I can't believe they let me win the title. I'm like, the company was failing and you were the most over thing in the company at the time. Like, y- you should be going, why didn't they do it two months sooner? And maybe that's why I get the feeling. Because he's just so, like, he talks about all these things with such joy in his interviews. He's like, oh, mm. I can't believe Carl Malone wanted to do stuff with me, you know? So <laughs> where I'm sitting back going, you should have been huge. <laughs> you should have been so big. I, I, I just don't know if he would be much bigger than this in any different scenario is the thing. Yeah, it's it's hard to say because of the timing with Goldberg. I wonder if he got to beat Hogan for the title, what the timeline would look like. Obviously, like that's such a big thing to give to him. And hindsight's perfect, right? Because he'd be defending the title, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's also such a easy thing to say, like armchair quarterback. I I'm being a, a bit of a a wrestling purist. I don't like Goldberg. That's not a secret. But no one knew he wasn't going to get any better as a wrestler. As a wrestler, like no one went. This is it. This is all he's going to be able to do proficiently and nothing else. And especially uh, with what we've seen so far, like there's no yeah. like saying like. Booking, uh, we've seen him in the, like a couple diverse matches as well. It's not like it's been the yeah, same yeah. and fans are turning on him yet. It, it's been no. pretty smooth sailing for him. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I don't think they're doing anything. Well, as I said, I don't like how they booked him tonight, but I don't think they're doing anything wrong by giving Goldberg all this push. It just feels like I think Gus, Gus is right. DDP needed something, something big, some, you know, a picture you can imagine him holding up the title over Hogan or over Nash or something like that. You want that image in your head. And he never quite got that at any point. So he hang, like, you know, you hang his career hats on this and the Malone stuff, which is really important for the product as well as whether I like it or not. It's just, yeah, it feels like he never, he was never quite the man, you know? 
he's responsible. He's partly responsible for the second biggest buy rate ever in the company. That's a big deal. No, it, it is. It's just it not is. a visual thing. Yeah, when it, you break I, it down, as I said, he's like trusted. He feels he feels a little bit like Randy Savage to a point, where you're like he's trusted. He does these big things. He's involved in these big angles, but he's never the guy. And this might be my favoritism of it. It might be because we're talking so positively about him carrying these iconic matches in, in history. And it might be like perfect hindsight knowing that he doesn't have to get to have a great WWE run or like one right. where he's pushed like Goldberg gets or like Sting gets to basically be the head of like one of the two main adventures of another company for years and gets to keep his kind of mythology because he never has to job out in WWE or until very late in his career. Seeing him wrestle, seeing what he's doing with goobers makes me go, wow, he just should have, there should have been more. And I don't know what, what to put my finger on, you know? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think we can talk we'll more about it. Like when, yeah. when he wrestles Goldberg for the title, because I think that, that that's, that's a good turning point for him. Yeah. And we actually get to see him in single matches soon. I hope. Knock on wood. Well, not next month. <laughs> <laughs> God, Yeah. I forgot what's that next month for a second. You're not going to like it. I, I know. I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll say something positive. I, I don't. I, I don't like this match this much. I do know it's important. Like ratings are important. Buy rates are important. I think Hogan is pretty perfect for these stupid matches. He's a big cartoon character. He knows to where his like bread is buttered. He knew to like give a bit to Jay. He knew who should be taking the pin and how. I assume he's partly responsible for the structure of the match as well. I thought Hogan was actually pretty good tonight for what the match was. What, what, do, what do you guys think? Yeah, I completely agree. Like I said, I, th- I think it helps having the the managers to take the focus off at some times. It's, it's nice to just, you have to have a little bit something more because all, all other than that, Hogan doesn't really have that much. All he does is his average finisher, which, you know, not really yeah. over at this period of time. They have lower expectations in this match, so it's much yeah. easier to meet them. Mm, yeah. yeah, they also just didn't try and do anything that special, right? So with Malone and Rodman, they they tried to set up these spots to let them kind of shine a bit or to amaze people. Oh, look what they can do. I'm like, you didn't need to do that. It could have just been a very simple match like this. Keep keep the two celebrities away from each other or keep the two non-wrestlers away from each other as long as you can because when they meet, people are going to love it. They're going to explode, you know? But instead, they tried to do a big, long, contrived match. Interesting, as much as we can criticize Goldberg not being in the main event, it is good that they had him out with the WCW winning team in the end. A little and more it was int- a good end to the show for yeah. once. Good end to the show. Champions with their hands in the air. DDP looking like a million bucks. Goldberg looking like a million bucks. So I think from that standpoint, good visual, which we've been lacking on a lot of these shows. Like Definitely the wrong winners last time around, but makes up for it a bit this time around. I will ask, I don't think there's much more to dive into in this match. Guys, what did you think of the overall show? And whose side are you on at the end of the day? Connor, you can go first. I think this is the best show of 1998, oddly enough. I think we have a decent crowd. Uh, It doesn't really excel maybe in pushing talent or storylines like to a great degree. But I think it succeeds as a B-level pay-per-view and it's more of like this fun spectacle type show where the company can take a, like a month off per se. I think previous months were far worse, mainly just because WCW had important storylines that they had to continue at a bike rally. So you had, you know, the NWO going into 
hog wild and Hogan getting the title and then Luger losing the title from Hogan the previous year. Like we don't have any of that. Like we shouldn't have world title changes at road wild like that. That, that just shouldn't happen. <laughs> if we're going to have title changes, you have your cruiserweight title or whatever, or you have one of your undercard title changes. So save those moments for the big shows like Halloween Havoc, which they built to. So I actually give them prob- props like for the logical build up to where they're going right now. And as far as who saw them on DDP, uh, as, as, as more as we gushed about them, it made me like them even more. So DDP, no question. And how about you, Gus? Uh, what did you think of the overall show? Whose side are you on? I'm a bit lower than Connor on it. Yeah, I was, I was like, I'm going a bit high. I don't know if I should go first. <laughs> largely because I've had to watch the, the run-up, I think. Yeah, that helps. I think that definitely has soured me on it because I was going into it not enjoying where they were going. And the parts of shows that I was watching that I was enjoying weren't being featured. So I was it's it, it was kind of at a disadvantage, but I can see where you're coming from. I definitely agree that it shouldn't be a centerpiece pay-per-view type thing where like a big title change happens. It should be more spectacle. And they they did have a right idea with Meng Barbarian and the tag match, even if the tag match just didn't work. The battle get, royal, you know, it's something that we don't see on yeah, WCW very often. Yeah, I, I get it, it. It made a little bit of sense, but a lot of stuff just didn't work for me and... I'm hoping that they have a bit more of a coherent idea of what they want to do with some people. The feuds that I wanted to see were kind of stalled for the most part. And then the ones that I didn't like had to see a lot more of. So yeah, it's very, very middling for me at best. And it's definitely Chris Jericho because he is by far the best wrestler in the company on both a mic level and wrestling ability, I think right now. See, I'm a recovering Jericho Hollock, so I couldn't see <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, both very good points. Uh, I thought I'd be a bit lower on this pay-per-view than I was. It's bad. I would not rewatch it. I would not recommend you watch it. Uh, hmm. See, that, that's that's where mm. I come down differently. Like, I mm. could watch this one again. This one wasn't as a chore as, like, Bash at the Beach last month. I, I do not want to watch that show ever again in my life. This was less of a chore. I, I will say that. I think I saw someone review this show because I read some other reviews before I, uh, in case there's any stuff I didn't see. Pick up I, from I this. actually did not do it for this this one for once. I think someone made a very good point, and I'm very sorry that I can't uh, quote them. But this is a professional wrestling show, and multiple people could not wrestle. And I mean, some of the wrestle wrestlers like Public Enemy, Jay Leno, Eubanks, like a couple other people on the card. I, I think some of what Mang and Barbarian did was very sloppy. It's still a professional wrestling show with multiple people on the card can't wrestle or didn't wrestle well on the night. And I think that's why I have to put it so low. I don't know what it is about it. It was a lot watch- more watchable than last month's, Connor. You are right. But I I find it very hard because I don't think there's a match I can point out besides maybe Jericho like you two where I'm like, that was good. I enjoyed that. I could rewatch it easily. I think that's a more testament of just the time period that we're reviewing. Mm-hmm. That's very true. That's a good. That's a good point. As for whose side am I on, it has to be DDP, doesn't it? I have a huge anticipation for like DDP getting a title run. I really want it to happen. He's, he's getting better and better. I really want to see him not be doing stuff with Hogan, and that must mean I'm on his side. Is he WCW? Yeah. Next, mo- next month implies he is, in which, yep. in which case I'm WCW side. But at the moment, let's just call it DDP. 
that's us for another edition of the WCW versus NWO podcast. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle WCW versus NWO podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook under the handle WCW versus NWO podcast. Where else can I find us, Connor? Patreon.com slash WCW versus NWO podcast. If you would like to support us for just $1, you can get access to our bonus episodes. We do Nitro flashbacks. We also just do random like one-off things. We did Goldberg versus Regal, which was a lot of fun to talk about. And you can also check out sportsobsessive.com where we post all our old episodes. You can also find just current wrestling articles on there, reviews, uh, some flashback, uh, some booking articles, a lot, a lot of good stuff on there, sportsobsessive.com. For me, Connor and Gus, thanks for listening. And join us next time where Conan, Conan beats Scott Hall. Scott Hall.